This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And have either, um, Michael, I'm sure that you've seen South Park. Mark, have you ever seen South Park? Is that some kind of convict joke? That's cruel. It hurts. (laughs) Yes, I've seen South Park, and I think it's uh, brilliant. Yeah, I I love it, especially now that they've sort of moved from, you know, the old comedy. Do you have a favorite character? Um, not particularly. See, for me, it's Cartman all oh, the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can understand that. I mean, yeah, like, he's humorous. Yeah, he is. He, he speaks his mind and he's, he's, uh, he's looking out for his, uh, his own best interests. It, what, what is on his mind is usually wrong, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he does speak it. So evidently, uh, they criticized uh, Chinese censorship and uh-huh. the Chinese government. There's not too many things left for them to criticize, so good for them. Yeah. And the and Chinese government is I don't like happy. Chinese censorship, so, oh, good. Who does? Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Somebody. So evidently, uh, the Chinese government doesn't approve, even okay. though I do, because, I mean, South Park has a history of making fun of stupid things. Mm-hmm. And I would categorize, you know, the censorship as being done by the, anybody, but especially the Chinese government. Has method. anyone um, translated the, the Streisand Effect article into Chinese? <laughs> I would hope I'm so. I'm sure they have. Now, for those unfamiliar, the Streisand effect posits that any attempts to cover up bad publicity amplify that bad publicity. Yeah, that sounds right. And it comes from, I guess, Barbara Streisand. I don't know exactly what she did, but it didn't work out. I, I seem to recall it was like some kind of copyright claim she made. I, I don't have all the details just on the top of my head, but that's that's what seems to come to mind. Now, the best part about this, of course, is that South Park criticized Chinese censorship. And the Chinese government responded by censoring South Park and banning it from their country. Okay. So South Park. I wonder how many Chinese fans that South Park has. I mean, it might be pretty popular. It's it's a good it's it's a good show. It is, but it's never been particularly kind to people of Asian descent. That's because it's written by a couple of libertarians. Well, well, they're not, descent, no. they're not libertarians. They're they're liberty leaning. Leaning. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, how have they? All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call them libertarians. But are, but uh, in... well, one of them will say that he's a libertarian. The other one won't. Okay. So I mean, if they don't if they won't call themselves libertarians, then I'm certainly not going to. That's call them a good that. uh, good place to go. Then again, there are lots of libertarians that will call themselves libertarians. So true. Fine. When you say it's not kind to Asians. What does that mean? Because anything that I've seen, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Episode. You're, you're not wrong. It's not kind to people in general. But it's I not mean, kind to people. Um, so if it's but no, but there are white people in South Park in the yeah. television show who are not just, um, I don't know how to put it. Uh, Foil race, uh, racial stereotypes. Yes. Okay. And, and the Chinese guy, the owner of China Walk, is. Exactly that. That's racial stereotype. Yes. Okay. And so was the Japanese guy. I'm not aware of them ever actually having very many Asian characters within the show who, Mm -hmm. you know, acted like normal human beings. This is one of the problems sort of with generally creating your art is you may not be thinking about race when you create your art. Right. But other people are. And... What's that mean for your art? Is it, uh, you know, is, is, is it Caucasocentric? Um, I don't know, but obviously it hasn't harmed the South Park brand too much. I haven't considered no. this, but okay, I'll take your word for it. Well, Certainly I don't think they're racist. A poo in 
uh, South or what was it? Simpsons? Simpsons is you know he's a racial stereotype, not the the cruelest stereotype I've ever seen or anything. You've got an industrious guy that wants to make sure nobody fools around in his uh, his convenience store. Sure. So okay, um, I don't. It's difficult to imagine that one could trot out too many cruel racial stereotypes for Asian Americans. I just don't. I, I don't even know of any. I mean, I've heard of cruel well, terms. They, they generally don't target like Asian Americans. It's usually Chinese people and uh-huh. then Japanese people. Like the Japanese guy who was on there ended up, you know, jumping off a tower, killing himself. And they they point out in the episode that you know they're they're referring they hang lampshades on it is the phrase. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're racist by any means. It's just how it ends what, up what being does, portrayed. I see. Portrayed. It's kamikaze behavior. Is the guy jumping off of the roof? Well, he kills himself to protect his honor or something like that. Or okay. he was going to because he mistook a white guy for a Chinese guy. And it's it's a typical South Park episode, I see. really. Okay. Except it focuses on Chinese people and Japanese people. Couldn't and, it be pointing out that, I mean, the way I would see that is is that uh, the idea of uh, you know honor suicide is nonsense, and it's an old Japanese or old Japanese concept. Not to say that it's just Japanese, but it's an old concept for Japanese folks, and probably should be abandoned. Like we all make mistakes, you don't need to kill yourself over it. I would agree. Yeah. Well, I thought they I thought they did that with a sword. I didn't. I didn't realize they'd jump off a building. That would be a samurai, but I mean, I suppose that um, you know we're just that, that's what maybe that's what they're lampooning. I don't know. Well, don't there know, was a sword involved. I don't remember the episode one hundred percent off the top of my head. Sure, I think sure. he was going to do that, and then he fell off or something like that. I don't remember exactly what, but there was a sword involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was you know going back to that seppuku committing tendency yeah in quotes among the japanese and i don't care what they say last samurai is still a great movie except for that whole throw in the sword part what, what last movie? samurai are you not familiar with it tom cruise movie he's a civil war captain or something not, not civil war he's uh, actually the indian uh wars um captain from the military ends up you know sort of getting sent over to japan to teach the savages how to uh get to war in a civilized fashion and uh-huh no <laughs> He ends up getting captured by the samurai who were fighting, you know, like on horses with with pointy sticks and uh, gets captured and sort of, you know, comes to see the society and sees the value in it and these kind of things, turns sides, and then they all die in one uh, blaze of glory. Spoiler warning. I don't care. It's a 20 year old movie. Interesting. I might have to watch it then. That was awesome. I've got it. uh, I think I have it on uh, DVD, too, so you could borrow it that way. Well, I'm sure it's on Netflix or Hulu or if I mean, if not, it's on the Pirate Bay. So I will go with that. It's hurtful. I'm sorry, Mark. (laughs) So in a case of life imitating art, according to Reason.com, the Chinese government has purged all references to South Park from the country's highly restricted Internet. Following an episode of the show that criticized Chinese censorship, which happened to be called Banned in China. (laughs) So they banned Banned in China. Yes. And then the rest of South Park. So the second episode of the show's 23rd season satirizes China's heavy-handed crackdowns on free expression. The kids attempt to make a biopic about their new rock band, only to discover that they need to sanitize the plot to appease the Chinese government. (laughs) Meanwhile, Randy Marsh gets sent to a Chinese prison where he meets Winnie the Pooh, a reference to China's odd attempts to clamp down on the beloved bear. There's a link here. I'm really... 
tempted to click that link for its supposed resemblance to Chinese President Jinping. Xi Jinping, yeah. Yeah. The episode also castigates Disney for making artistic concessions in order to remain in Chinese markets. You got to lower your ideals of freedom if you want to suck on the warm teat of China, Mm. one character says. Yep. I have a real problem with this generally, and it's not the first go around uh, for American businesses doing this kind of thing. Uh, it's it, it's yucky. It's yucky the United States government would do business with Saudi Arabia, a place with a king. It's yucky yeah. that you know democracies generally, or republics, or whatever terminology one wishes to use. By the way, uh, Korea, North Korea, calls itself a republic. Um, would would have put up with this. So. I, I think that many people have to step to the plate, or we're just going to get more of the same. I'm I'm not happy to see businesses doing business in these with these oppressive regimes, and I'm I am happy to see it getting called out. Well, wasn't there um, the Chinese not, not Chinese uh, the Google workers who refused to work on the Google search engine that yep. was going to be used in you know China, the censored version of Google, basically, and they right. refused to yep. do it. And so, so more of that would out. be great. But I'm sure Google will find somebody who's willing to do it. I mean, it's just a matter of money for yep. them. Yeah, they and did. that's that's kind of the tragedy. Those sort of principle stands they really only work if everybody, or at least most people, get on board with those principle stands. And it seems like when there's money involved, they're just not going to. Nope. Like Disney changing things in order to remain in the Chinese markets and mm-hmm. all this other nonsense. What do you think about South Park and Chinese censorship? Give us a call, 855-450-3733. That's 855-453. In- this is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria, Michael, and Mark. And Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, which allows people to buy and sell Bitcoin cash using dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances. It's really awesome and very flexible in how many payment methods they accept and how you out there listening can go and buy bitcoin cash from someone who might even be in the same city that you're in by meeting them in person with cash it's really awesome there's no kyc requirement no know your customer requirement that is so you don't have to present your id in order to buy and sell a specific trader might require that but the site itself doesn't so that's go, up to them. Yes. So go check it out. All communications between the buyers and sellers are encrypted. You, it's a non-custodial exchange, so you always control your cryptocurrency. It's never controlled by local.bitcoin.com. As it should be. It's, it's an awesome site. I would highly recommend people check it out. Again, that's local.bitcoin.com. Now, we've been talking about South Park, uh, which has always been one of my favorite shows because uh, th- they are really thoughtful in how they portray issues like uh i don't remember what season it was maybe 19 or 20 but they tackled the trans issue and they did it so awesomely that a lot of people got butt hurt obviously but a lot of people were going to get butt hurt regardless i mean they ended up defining uh, a cis person as a sissy which was a <laughs> a cisgender person who got upset about trans people using one particular refer- restroom or the other they were sissies i see so 
that was interesting. The South Park video game, uh, The Fractured But Whole, actually gives you the option of playing as a trans character. And it's, it's handled delicately but humorously. So good on them for that. Well, yeah, I don't even uh, I don't even know where to address these things. Yeah. So they recently there's some things they're not delicate with, right? Like uh, you know, say the Book of Mormon, perhaps right. uh, not as delicate as it could be, but <laughs> maybe they don't care about that. Well, they also treated the gay issue pretty delicately. Delicately, uh, and th- they get called transphobic a lot because of Mister Garrison having the sex change and then going back to being Mr. Garrison. I don't know if you missed that entire arc or not. I don't know how regularly you watch the show. I, 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 I haven't watched that. Yeah. Yes. I haven't watched the show regularly. I've When I've watched it, uh, it was enjoyable. When I did watch it more regularly, they were still killing Kenny every episode as opposed to... Uh, oh, yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. No, yeah. So they criticized the Chinese government recently and its heavy-handed censorship policies. And now... Those very same government censors in the real world have lashed back at South Park by deleting virtually every clip, episode, and online discussion of the show from Chinese streaming services, social media, and even fan pages. Must not be a big, uh, they must not be, have a lot of fans because uh, trying to get rid of all that stuff in English would be a Herculean task. Yeah, well, the thing is, China has an extraordinary level of control over over what people can see on their little version of the internet. Yes. Yeah, that's disappointing. A cursory perusal through China's highly regulated internet landscape shows the show conspicuously absent everywhere it recently had a presence. A search of Twitter-like service Weibo, which is one of the ways that the Chinese government maintains its control over its internet, is by having a Twitter-like service for the Chinese people. It turns up not a single mention of South Park among the billions of past posts. On streaming service Youku, owned by internet giant Alibaba, all links to clips, episodes, and even full seasons of the show are now dead. This is a memory hole right there. Yeah, that's that's what it does. That's, That's the whole definition. Yep. Well, let's get to the phones. We got Thomas calling in from Jackson. Thomas, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, this is Travis. Hi, Travis. Hi, Travis. Hi, how are you guys doing today? So I was going to talk about Bitcoin back in 2013. I wrote a book on Bitcoin, and I was going to talk about Bitcoin, but uh, I hear Ari's on the show. So instead, I guess I'll talk about trans issues. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Well, here's the way I look at it, okay? The Democratic Party has always been about helping impoverished people. That's originally what the Democratic Party was about. Um, (laughs) somewhere, Somewhere along the line, it started to turn into uh, advocacy for homosexuals. Homosexuals are about 4% of the population, um, and transgender people. Transgenders are about half a percent of the population. So, I mean, these are the, this is the Democrats' priorities to help these folks out, which, I mean, I don't have a problem with trans people. I don't have a problem if you want to wear whatever you want to. That's none of my business, and I think the people who attack trans people and obsess over them are weirder than the trans people. So, Do you think um, those people that attack them and obsess over them, do you think that they're likely to, in, in a particular political party in the U.S.? Well, undoubtedly probably Republican. That's what my thought is. And this is like more that the Republicans are uh, – that trans people would perceive the Republicans to be against them than the Democrats being for them is, I think, what the problem is. 
it's, you know, I mean, of course they're going to go where they've got a home. Um, anybody would do that. I've got lots of gay friends that um, vote Democrat, and the reason they vote Democrat is, is because they don't feel comfortable with Republicans disliking them and telling them that their yeah, lives but, are sinful. Well, Mark, it's a, it's. do you think that the leaders of the Democratic Party honestly care about homosexuals? No. Absolutely exactly. not. Aria, I mean, what do you think? I mean, not we're not all. Democrats here. No, but um, go ahead. Answer the question, though, Aria. Do you think the leaders of the Democratic Party actually care about trans or homosexual people? Uh, no, rulers don't care about anyone but themselves. It's just a means to an end, and the end is more power. Yeah. Well, here's my position on it, okay? I have nothing I, – I have no problem with uh, trans people whatsoever. It's just this is the Democratic parties. It's one of their top priorities. Now, if you look at their history, they've always been about helping the lowest class. So one would deduce and one would think that they would help out the lowest class, which would be – Homeless people. There are 550,000 homeless people, Americans sleeping on the streets, walking around on the streets, homeless vets, all kind of, and a lot of homeless trans people, too. And I don't understand why the Democrats don't talk about this, because if they want to actually help out the lowest class, you would think they would help the people out that were homeless. And the priorities make absolutely no sense. And well, you know, I suspect the people that, that they want to help out vote, and homeless people tend not to. I just read a statistic yeah. the other day, a headline actually, that something like half of all homeless people are in California and one other state. I, I don't recall the exact number, but, but you know, they benefit, the Democrats benefit from having a homeless problem that they can promise to solve. They don't benefit from solving the problem. Yeah. I think that yeah. a, a part of this, as a Republican uh, myself, and you know, I got to pick between the two parties in order to have somebody to vote for in the primary. So I'll go ahead and pick the Republicans. As a Republican, I will say the Republicans have failed time and again to be inclusive. What they say over and over again is, you know, we've got our uh, principles, and if you stick by our principles, that's great. Well. Some of their principles, whether they like it or not, have to do with sort of antiquated religions that vilify people of particular groups, i.e. homosexuals. It doesn't say anything about trans people, but you can believe that there's certain Christians, plenty of Christians in America that will say, call them freaks, just for kicks. 855-450-3733. Travis, thanks for... Living in a more free society isn't going to help you much if your life isn't free. If you're stuck at a job, business, or relationship where you are not free, what good is a free society to you? You can live a more free life. I'm Caleb Jones, and my staff and I have taught hundreds of thousands of men how to create low-work, high-income, location-independent businesses and how to date women under your terms. Go to freelifeinfo.com to download seven free books and podcasts so you can live a life like this, too. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever you'd like. That number is 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And unfortunately, there's not much more to get out of that South Park uh, Chinese censorship story. I mean, it's the Chinese government doing what they do. It's like the Chinese government doesn't even want to say anything about it. Yeah, and South Park doing what they do. 
and the two are simply not compatible. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. South Park isn't compatible with a lot of things. That's true. So, uh, moving on, there's a story about priests uh, possibly being allowed by the Catholic Church to get married. Yes, yeah, sort of. Sort of. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is from the Daily Beast, so, um, you know, I, I, I'm a little ashamed to say, but yeah, this is where I got the article, and it's a fine article. Here from uh, Barbie Latza Nadeau, and it says, The Pope, Pope could soon say I do to married priests and open a schism. A group of hand-picked clerics meeting in Rome. So priests marrying women and not each other? Correct. Okay. Um, I, I don't think they're ready for that. <laughs> Give it another three or four I think they're probably years. more ready for that than they are priests marrying outside of the church, based mm. on Catholic history and you know what typically happened at monasteries throughout the Middle Ages. Yeah, I mean, we don't they talk were about hotbeds that. of homosexuality. We don't talk about that. Okay. So <laughs> I think that that is part of all of it um, when they made celibacy a thing. And largely they did it to prevent priests from handing down their parishes to their sons and, you know, in the manner that kings hand down kingdoms. Well, that failed spectacularly. I mean, it was just an open secret. Oh, he's the bishop's favorite. He's the cardinal's favorite. And everyone knew that it it was the cardinal's son. It was the bishop's son. I think that it, well, it worked over the course of a thousand years. It's not happening now. Um, sure, okay. there's some of that. But, eh, you know, this this was the purpose, the, the reason it was instituted. And failure or success, that was the reason. I think one of the results is, is what we have going on now, where priests are um, were, at least for some period of time, touching boys when they shouldn't be, because... I think because people who have sexual deviancies thought that they could escape to the church and that somehow it would fix their demons as -hmm. opposed to, I don't know, some good old fashion fashion psychoanalysis. Then I get it. I guess it's not old fashioned uh, psychoanalysis new compared to the church. See, I tend to think about it just in terms of human behavior. I mean, humans are sexual creatures for Uh better or worse. Sure. So when you deny them that uh, they start to get antsy. Yeah, well, it, and- <laughs> it, it causes problems. I would think that you would have – right. I don't think there's any real good reason to keep priests celibate today and that you would have far fewer problems if you would allow people that, oh, I don't know, wanted to get married to be a priest. And let's go on with the story before we go um, You know, with our, our conjecture here. Rome, in October 2017, when Pope Francis announced a Vatican synod in the Amazon region to identify new paths for the evangelization of God's people in that region, few people beyond those who had to uh, to attend marked it on their calendars. But over the course of the last two years, as the church prepared for the synod, which will uh, run from October 6th, that's yesterday, now, to— Now, what is this? It's a meeting. Okay. Um, in the, to the 27th in Rome, it's become clear that there may be no more important meeting in Francis's entire papacy. One item among the 146 topics on the agenda. Good list, Lord. Listed, oh, it's good, this is going to be a blast. <laughs> They've been planning this for two years. Of course, there's 146 items. Yeah. They don't do this yearly or, or no, bi-monthly? This is a, this is a special mean... meeting of uh, getting everybody there to talk about this one thing, and we're going to hash it out. Okay. 
So 146 different topic, issues okay. listed in a 45-page working document um, has eclipsed all others. You know, if, if the Catholic Church doesn't condone suicide, <laughs> then don't. driving people into these sorts of meetings where there are 146 issues for a bunch of people to bicker about seems counterproductive. Yeah, the church is known for this stuff. <laughs> all you have to do is read early Christianity. I, my favorite is that uh, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus punched a new dude named Arius in the face when talking about a particular in a, at a particular meeting. Um, Fun so. note, South Park uh, lampooned this sort of behavior as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. Ultimately revealing that it was like a giant spider or something like that overseeing the whole Catholic church and they were going to allow alien Catholics. Typically ridiculous stuff. Yes. So um, including the Pope's focus on uh, climate change and poverty – the point is whether or not to allow married viri probati, men of proven virtue, to be ordained as priests for the purpose of delivering the big sacraments, baptism, confession, weddings, and funerals, in far-flung areas where no priests are currently present. Now, why are there no priests present? Because nobody wants to join your stupid job where the, you know, not having sex is part of the gig. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a job like that. That there's plenty of preachers, right? I, I, I mean, America's lousy with preachers. There's there's probably more preachers than there are churches because, you know, they got things, eh, whatever. And if I believe it, this is the one thing. Now, obviously, there are aspects of these different denominations that people would have to get over or whatever. But mm, the Protestants and the evangelicals, they're not suffering for a lack of, of uh, you know, preacher man. Preacher men. Oh, no, they're certainly not. So the one difference here is basically the church's prohibition on marriage. For the Catholic priests. Church. The Catholic Church, yeah. So there's a solution for you, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know enough about Catholicism because I'm from the Protestant tradition, uh, Southern Baptist particularly. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know— Familiar with the idea of pastors, they don't call them priests in other denominations of no. Christianity. Priests is Very few. Specifically Christianity, and I think maybe some of those weirder branches, like Pentecostals perhaps, and Presbyterians. No, I don't think they call them priests in Presbyterian. Presbyterian may, um, because that is basically Anglican, and I, that's the one I was thinking of. I was married Anglican. I don't, okay. So my wife and I had our marriage ceremony at an Anglican church that broadcast my radio station out of a closet in the back. So Anglican is a church? Yeah, Anglican is what basically the Episcopal are. I okay. said Presbyterian. You said Presbyterian. I meant Episcopal. Excuse me. Interesting. There's so many denom denominations of Christianity, which and is fascinating. And they all have their little quibble with the rest of them. Yes, of course they do. And they all claim to be heralds of the absolute unquestionable truth. Which, it, it makes it fun when you're on the outside looking in and you've got 50,000 different people arguing with each other and every one of them saying that they speak directly to the creator of the universe and they know the answer. Some of them will be uh, so generous as to say that, the, that some of the others will go to heaven even though they're yeah. not um, their particular brand of Christianity. But others aren't quite so generous. Yeah, the Baptists and the Methodists, at least in the American South, tend to get along reasonably well. <laughs> in, a, in the book, A River Runs Through It, they define uh, the, the minister in there, who is, I believe, Presbyterian, defines Methodists as Baptists who can read. They're not <laughs> killing each other anymore. <laughs> no. 
Well, Baptists were, and Methodists, all of them, interesting schisms, um, important issues I felt that were brought up, and sure. these sorts of things. But, you know, once the schisms happened, 10 years out, the church is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that denomination's done. I would agree. So. So they certainly have no absence of preachers and pastors and whatever we'd like to call them, but the Catholic Church evidently does. Is that the general contention here? What's the question? I'm sorry? That the Catholic Church has an issue finding priests. Yes. Interesting. Is that like a documented fact or is that just, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you raise an excellent point. Who wants to enter into a typically low paying career wherein they can't have sex ever? Most people don't want to do this. It's not a particularly enticing thing. So they have to really feel like they're being called by God or whatever terminology they would like to use in order to step into that career path. Maybe they should just find 50-year-old men who are married. It would be easier. Yeah. And there would be fewer child rapists in the church. And they're not having sex either. 855. 855- This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight is Aria, Michael, and Mark. Have you heard of Divi? Divi is crypto made easy. Anyone can use Divi to securely and seamlessly spend, earn, store, or exchange digital money. The United States dollar and even euros. Divi is fast. Transactions happen in seconds with uh, fewer fees. While other tokens are languishing, the Divi's token price has increased by 300%. All the details are at DiviProject.org. The new Divi mobile wallet is soon to launch, and when it does, because of Divi's relationship with Western Union, Divi will be in 200 countries, including the United States. Anyone can use the Divi mobile wallet, and all you need is a phone number and an ID. You'll be able to uh, store, buy, and transmit money anywhere in the world because Divi has invested in a remittance company. There's no chance of these financial services going away. You'll be able to get a crypto debit card, plus Divi has um, one-click master notes. Visit DiviProject.org. Divi is crypto made easy. Again, it's DiviProject.org. Very cool. So what are your thoughts on Catholic priests and whether or not they should finally be allowed to get married like Ordinary human beings tend to do. 855-450-3733. Let's get back into the article uh, because evidently uh, the the conservatives in the Catholic Church are not particularly happy about this possibility. Well, this is only a thousand years overdue. Well, it's all—it's only a the celibacy is only a thousand years old in the church too, right? Um, It's—I mean, it's not like preachers. Or priests or whatever, whatever that version was um, back then, like for, you know, for the first thousand years of the church, and it's only been around for 2000 years, priests could marry, priests could have kids because the Bible doesn't say anything about people needing to be celibate in order to be preacher men. No, but it does suggest that um, the person who leads the church is going to uh, be infallible. It doesn't explicitly state it, but it says, uh, as you make it on earth, so shall I make it in heaven or something to that effect, which is generally interpreted in that direction. I don't know how accurate that interpretation so is. So no sex not. in heaven? Uh, I don't know. No don't sex either. with a pope? You know, it reminds no me point. of a joke that I heard a long time ago about this uh, this guy who died. And he 
ended up getting sent down to hell and he partied and played golf with his friends and had some drinks and it was great. And then the next day they went to heaven and he floated around on clouds singing hymns and stuff. And then they asked him, well, which one do you want to spend your eternity in? And he chose hell and he gets down there and it's torture and all that. And the joke is, oh, well, yesterday we were campaigning. Today you voted. Yeah. But what I've always found interesting about it is the differences in the descriptions. Like he describes hell as something that's actually enjoyable and he described heaven as being just absolutely tedious. I think that uh, these are interesting old ideas. Christianity, one of the things that really did sell was that heaven, that the life after death is good and that it that a connection to god is something that the average person can have no religion up to that point really had provided that usually life after death was just seen as something bad and although today we may not really like the notion of what uh, heaven might be like um you know i mean it was superior to the idea of hades or something um so that the ideas that were floating around then I just think that it's, to me, the idea that a, a fair, just, and loving God is going to send uh, one of his children to burn for all of eternity for making some kind of mistake doesn't doesn't jibe with my understanding of God creating us in his own image. Yeah, and it doesn't jibe with a basic understanding of morality or anything like that. I mean, we're talking about an infinite punishment for what was, by definition, a finite crime. It's, it's absurd on the face, Right. And they want, makes to, sense, yeah. they want to characterize the God that prescribes that as being just. And, you know, for a Bronze Age, um, you know, sheep herder, sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. Fine. <laughs> the one who's out there in the field's probably not sinning in the first place. Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> long nights uh, with those sheep. Yeah, um, the sheep don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a sin. It wasn't mentioned. Um Bishop Raphael Cobb, an apostolic vicar of Puyo, Ecuador, who will be attending the Synod in Rome, said that the church must respond to a concrete challenge in concrete reality. The Amazon is a geographically difficult region to evangelize just because of its distance and inaccessibility, he told reporters at a press conference in Rome. But there's also a lack of candidates who can or want to be priests with the issue of celibacy. So logically, the church is looking for new methods to respond to concrete challenges. I, I get it. From the Catholic Church point of view, that's like, well, I like God a lot, but I also like sex. And you're making me pick between the two. Sure. And, you know, a married guy isn't, that's, it's not a problem. I mean, the Bible said something about the marriage bed uh, can't be defiled. Something to that effect. So these... I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong in my mind for with a married preach, priest, and as a matter of fact, the uh, Catholic Church does allow a uh, married priest, but it's under very limited circumstances. So, interesting, if, right? If a um, Anglican or Episcopal priest decides that he wants to go Catholic, but is married, that person may switch over to being a Catholic priest who is then married. But if the wife dies, then he may not marry again. Well, I mean, this sounds like a solution to the problem of the people in the Amazon, I think it was that you said, or Brazil or whatever, who want to, you know, be priests. It's a workaround. Start out as some other denomination of Christianity 
No, it's only the Anglicans and the Episcopals. Oh. So maybe the Catholic Church could set up this disingenuous recruiting method uh, for getting people to go through these, um, you know, types. And well, as far as the Catholic Church's sins goes, that sort of disingenuous recruiting would be pretty low on their on their black. They're running a marketing campaign and they're trying to be really super good these days. And, um, you know, we're not chopping off people's uh, Jews' heads anymore and, you know, all those things. We've, we sure. put all that stuff behind us. The Spanish Inquisition, the Salem witch trials, all right. of that is behind us. Nobody expects it. So um, now the idea is is that, well, we'll uh, I, I think they should. I think they should just go ahead instead of, you know, making things surreptitious and weird. Let's just say this is fine. We can accept this. Or maybe you have a different designation of priest, whatever that means, you know, like married they, priest, unmarried priest. Right. But there's probably some other term, <laughs> you know, right. Super holy priest. Uh, I'm with you. Super entirely. duper holy priest. Uh, the being unmarried, uh, not being allowed to engage in sex. It, it's clearly historically been a problem for the Catholic Church. You get rid of this outdated policy that, you know is doing significantly more harm than whatever good they envision it to be doing. The Catholic Church, though, is extraordinarily conservative. It takes them centuries to do anything. It took them two well, years to put this they, meeting together. Yeah, it's because they put 146 freaking things on the meeting agenda, and they're like, oh, no, we only got through three of the things because the Irish Catholics killed all of the South American Catholics. Well, not killed literally, but they stormed out or whatever. As so people do. getting people to, I mean, they got to get these priests to show up to these events, and these priests have actual work to do down wherever they are. Presumably, every priest has a full day's, full week's work every in every parish they're in, and then when these guys come up, the bishops and, and that sort of thing, presumably they have a full week's work. They have to drop everything to go for a three-week meeting in the Vatican to chit-chat about 45 different things, apparently the most important of which is whether or not um, the message of Christianity can be spread to the heathens in the uh, Amazon jungle, and if so... Can we have that done by married men as opposed to sell? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. No, that's not a particularly pressing issue, I wouldn't think. I mean, do we have any idea what what other issues are on their little no, agenda? No, I don't. Uh, I didn't look it up because I'm not, not interested. I'm not Catholic, and this isn't interesting to me. What's most interesting to me about the Catholic Church is, is that its uh, existence as an organization longer than really anything else on the planet. There's not, I can't think of another organization that's lasted as long as the Catholic Church has. And to me, that's interesting. To me, they should change this one thing and that they could solve a bevy of sins if they did it. Yeah. And that's my little, you know, here I am, you know, somebody that you don't want to listen to out here just saying, hey, from the outside, this looks dumb. It probably it seems to look dumb from the inside as well if what these you know priests are aiming for is actually going to come to fruition. Hopefully the Catholic Church actually comes to agreement and well, decides, hey, you know, the, the simplest thing to do here is to just let our priests get married. American Cardinal Raymond Burke has a problem with it. Oh, well, we have to hear more about that. 855-450-3733. Do you have a problem with it? Give us a call and let us know or use the Discord server, which you can find at discord.lrn.fm. 
chronic pain, stress and anxiety, fatigue or lack of focus, dependence on opioids or opiates? John Bush here, owner of Brave Botanicals, inviting you to try a free ounce of Kratom, the controversial plant remedy the government doesn't want you to know about. Why, you ask? Well, it's big competition for big pharma. From grandmothers cutting Oxycontin to keep up with their grandkids, to young adults kicking Adderall and quitting drinking, more Americans are turning to Kratom to help them through the day. But the government won't stop us. When the credit card companies kicked Kratom to the curb, I accepted e-checks and crypto. When Facebook shut down my ad account, I did podcast interviews and advertised on Free Talk Live. And now to give a big F you to the man, I'm giving away Kratom for free. To get your free ounce of Kratom, go to freeounceofkratom.com, pay $5 shipping and handling, and I'll send you a free ounce. Visit freeounceofkratom.com to claim your free ounce today. That's freeounceofkratom.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. So call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria, Michael, and Mark. And we've been talking about uh, the Catholic Church and Christianity, uh, more specifically in general, uh, which has a long and robust history, uh, including lots of good things that the church in general has done and lots of bad things. Now I'm not particularly in the in the interest. It's not. It doesn't interest me to weigh the good they've done against the bad they've done. I I can recognize both. I I don't want to act like I'm some sort of, you know, deity out here weighing their good against their bad. It's just a mixed history. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that statement. Um, I think that Western civilization without Christianity would be a very different thing. That. Um, you know, when when people claim to believe, uh, claim to be a Christian, they probably should know the history of the church, especially early on. Well, I, I guess let me let you me mean back like the that Council up. of Nicaea or Nicaea. Like, let's even that. go back a bit further than that. But yeah, I mean, I think what I think what Council of Trent is that what I'm thinking of? Um, any one of those, I wouldn't be able to tell you what any one of those were, but. What I'm saying is the is Council that, of Nic- Nicaea was the one that decided whether or not Jesus was divine. Correct. Okay. Uh, that I believe to be the tr- truth. I, I'd have to look up on Trent. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can't go any further than that. But I can say this: that often there is a there's a classification of mind out there, a way of thinking that says let's go back to the original thing in order to find out what the word or the term or the idea is. Right? Sure. Libertarians tend to be this sort. <laughs> all right so do constitutionalists well constitutionalists are libertarians that haven't quite got it all together yet um and yeah except they they don't they're not fans of the first amendment like i was shocked to learn uh that the constitutionalist party actually enshrines in its uh charter or whatever the term would be that you know the united states is a christian country founded mm-hmm. on the ideas of christianity but now, now we all know that's not true. Yes, but the, consti- this from? the constitutionalists don't know that. Did they not read the Constitution? They evidently did not, or the Treaty of Tripoli, which was, I think, 1781. Right, with uh, Adams. Um, I, know, I think it would be later than that. Tripoli? 
I think Tripoli is a little bit later. Anyway, they're, they're very clear in that, that it is not a Christian nation. Uh, but I, I think that it depends on how you determine, decide to determine those ideas. The idea that one would come down one side or the other on the issue sure. kind of shows what their thought process is. I choose not to come down on either side of that particular issue. Um, but I'm here attempting to hold the people that do come down on the side of that issue uh, accountable, whether whatever the side might be. So yeah. I, I got to be honest, I did not parse all that. Okay, so I, yeah, which issue to say that whether or not the United States is a Christian country? Okay. I think that there's an argument for it being a Christian nation, and I think there's an argument against it. I would say it's a nation largely of Christians, but it's not a Christian nation. And the people who founded it. It's a warmongering nation. If it's founded on Christianity, then I'm Jesus freaking Christ. Christianity uh, perpetrated the, the Crusades, war. They did, uh, but it's it's counter to everything Christ said. Well, Christianity changed the with you know changed its its role at about a thousand years in and said, well, let's go for this war stuff. And <laughs> like well, the, the power of the state, what is you're doing is the you're Catholic saying church that, became its own state. You're saying that Christianity's roots as a pacifist religion define what Christianity is, and that is a libertarian thing to do. Oh. <laughs> um, it's like that mindset, right? right? So going back to the mindset of what is Christianity, one would think that you could go back in Christianity to say, you know, 50 AD and say, all right, what is Christianity? Well, and, you'd have to write off what Paul said in a uh -huh. lot of cases because uh, he, he was the one who founded the Catholic Church for the most part. I mean, he was generally regarded as the first pope or whatever. But no, he that's was Peter. Okay. Peter's regarded as the first pope. What's interesting But it was there, Paul who, in practice— Yes. And, and that's the issue I have with it. Peter um, was supposed to be, and based on the fact that we have nothing— written by peter as far as i'm aware there's there's by Bi Bi uh, there's bible of uh, books that are called first and second peter but that doesn't the whether the veracity of any of these people writing many right. of the epistles of paul may not have been written by paul and it gets very complicated i think what's most interesting is is that paul meets with um james who becomes you know, who's, who's really nothing in the Gospels, but then he's the brother of Christ. Um, become, and we presume that means actually the brother of Jesus Christ, the you know, son of Mary. Well, half brother. Well, yeah, <laughs> however you want to call it. And Evidently, that, we're told they had different daddies. That James um, and Peter and these sorts of people meet with Paul. The idea being that we're going to say, hey, look, um, Christianity is a Judaistic sect. And people who want to convert need to um, eat kosher and have their parts snipped, right? So then— um, Well, they got half of that. They don't eat kosher? Oh, I, I see. Uh, <laughs> thank Kellogg and Graham for that. <laughs> yeah, that. That's mostly an American thing, though. Right. So um, Paul says, no, no, no. You people who claim to have known who know Jesus didn't know Jesus like I knew Jesus because Jesus appeared to me in a vision. So I knew the God Jesus. You know the man Jesus. And who said this? Paul. I'm not surprised. To Jesus's brother. I mean, the hubris of this huckster knew no bounds. Yeah. I mean, he is the greatest con man that ever lived. The idea that this and this guy created out of whole cloth a religion that was completely had no resemblance to who Jesus was. 
And the idea that he created this is fascinating. But to find out what a Christian is, if you go, say, 100 AD or something like that, there's, I mean— there's not one thing you can even say. The the few things that I said that uh, you know, talking about there being sort of this positive relationship to the afterlife, and that um, the average person could commune directly with God. The, the church basically took that away at some point. But oh you know, yeah, these... because for them it was all about power. You know, they wanted right, sure. to act as intermediaries between God and the people, so they put themselves there and said, "This is the way it actually is." That's why they didn't want the Bible translated into English and kept it in Latin, and you know killed people for trying to translate it into English so the average person, even though the average person couldn't even read back then, was capable of actually understanding what was being fed to them. But the fir- the church fathers for 300 years, more, fought physically in many cases uh, each other um, over doctrinal disputes like what should people be eating, you know, should there, uh, you know, all kinds of things that aspects of Christianity. I think the most important of which is: is Jesus a um, a prophet, or is he actually a god? And sort of the Trinity and how that looks, and you know these kind of things. And this is one of the things where I believe Islam is a it can very uh, very much lay a claim to being an aspect, uh, being a denomination of Christianity, because. What it claims is— I would tend to agree. Right. It, it claims the they're Unitarians versus Trinitarians, and lots of that going on in early Christianity. Secondly, they're—you um, uh, know, they say, that, they say that Jesus is a prophet. Right. And now the reference for Jesus, I suspect, has gone down over time, probably because of the conflicts with the church. It's like, sure. hey, you know, we don't like this guy anymore. Um, but— I think that the roots of Islam really are uh, as a Christian denomination. But, you know, I'm, I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that. Anyway, I want to go on with this article where we're talking about, because I, I do love talking about uh, church history, and I think it's oh, fascinating. Man, I love too. learning about it. Lots of good stuff on YouTube. You can go looking at it. All right. About um, priests getting the ability to marry with here from the Daily Beast article, but a phalanx of conservative Catholic clerics led by American Cardinal Raymond Burke and a host of other traditionalists are ready to demand the resignation of the Pope if he signs off on such a heretical matter. By allowing married men to become priests in remote areas, they fear the church could pave the way to a, uh, an abolition of celibacy. They're right, and they should. Their slippery slope concern is um, is that next, ordained priests will be able to marry, and then God knows what could happen. Maybe even women would be allowed into the priesthood. Is this Did this guy actually say this? Yeah, that's what. Uh, there's a woman who wrote the article. A woman actually said yes. A woman actually yeah. said Oh, my. That's Stockholm Syndrome, if I've ever heard it, man. What's that mean? Uh, I'll get into it here in just a moment. 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And I want to tell you about the Edge wallet uh, because it's the it's the mobile wallet that I use for storing and holding and moving and using my cryptocurrency. It supports all kinds of cryptocurrencies. Uh, your big ones, of course, Bitcoin Dash, uh, Bitcoin Cash, obviously, is 
by far my favorite, uh, Litecoin, Ethereum, all of the ones that you would expect a major wallet to support, it supports. It also includes support for Stellar, which is XLM, a newer cryptocurrency. A whole variety of currencies out there. I mean, basically... There's dozens of them. Yeah, many dozens. Not quite as many as Coinami supports, but I would argue that's a good thing because Coinami has junk on there like Putin coin <laughs> and other stuff that no real no cryptocurrency advocates likely to really think is going to, you know, do any good for cryptocurrency. One of the things that uh, Coinomi's had some negative articles written about. It. I don't think that's necessarily meaningful. Um, well, how about them giving out the people's uh, 14-word passphrases via clear text to Google? That's a problem. Oops. And causing people to actually lose and then denying responsibility for it. And that's one that was the one I was going to get into here is is that Edge Wallet doesn't have that problem, that uh, fourteen word um, no, issue. No, it's got a username system, and it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I it's great. It. It's really great, and I've used it. I've also transferred it from one phone to another. I was talking to somebody today who was like, "Well, you know, I had my I had some crypto, but then I changed computers, and now I don't have any crypto anymore." And I'm like, "Well, I probably could help you with that, but." How much are we talking about here? <laughs> you know, right. and um, is it worth my time to attempt to, you know, myself, not the not the most technical person around? I think that there's, it's salvageable, but I don't know where exactly. Yeah, so. I've got a broken phone with the Coinami wallet on it, and it's got the 14 word passphrase um, because I wasn't using the Edge wallet then, and it's got like seventy dollars worth of crypto in it, uh, just enough to pay for the phone to be repaired. Yeah. And I'm not going to bother with that. Maybe if Bitcoin Cash jumps up to like fifty thousand, just hold it, 000, throw it in yeah. a drawer. Yeah, maybe one day it'll be you know economical to do it. So that's by far the best feature of the Edge Wallet is the username system. Getting Love away it. from those stupid clunky passphrases of fourteen random words that accidentally get sent via clear text over HTTP. It was such a such a fiasco. Yeah, and yeah. I liked Coinami up until that point. It also supports multiple user accounts, which is really great. Uh, It's being used here in Keene, New Hampshire, by homeless people who will go into some of the stores here that accept cryptocurrency and sign into the Edge Wallet on employees' mobile phones using their username and password so that they can still make purchases, even though they don't have any, any mobile phone or any mobile provider. It's a wonderful, wonderful app. So go check it out. You can find it at edge.app. They've been building it since 2004. It's absolutely great. It, it literally is the wallet that I use. So do I. So getting back to Christianity and Catholicism, we evidently have a, a priest who is a bit, uh, let's call him butthurt, about <laughs> the possibility of, of priests getting married. And evidently, as Mark pointed out uh, during the break, the woman writing this article was being facetious. When she said, you know, who knows what will happen next? Women might get might get ordained. Right, which pretty much is true in almost every other denomination of Christianity out there. Wasn't it a big deal when the Methodist Church did it? It might have been Methodists. I know that it was a big deal when the Presbyterians did it. But now they're, you know, they've they got gay ministers and all kinds of stuff. So whatever. That was a big deal in the Methodist Church, too. German Cardinal <laughs> Gerhard Mueller of Germany is vehement. He doesn't even want the topic brought up and has condemned the Synod working document. He says it has triggered fears of a pending change to church doctrine. He warns that it could actually cause a... Shut up, boomer. ...schism, <laughs> uh, leaving conservatives with no choice but to leave the church under Francis. I'm not sure what that means, church under Francis. Pope Francis? 
Oh, yeah. Pope Francis. Thank you. I was thinking of Franciscans. Um, and that brings me to a point is, is that exactly what are we talking about when we say schism? I can think of Franciscans, Trappists, um, Jesuits, a whole variety of different types of Catholics out there. I mean, would a schism still remain of the Catholic Church? And if so, big whoop. Who cares? Wouldn't be the first one. Yeah. Oh, so you're going to have some place where uh, priests have to be celibate and some places where they don't? I wonder Fine. which one of these two will be successful. The the priests that are willing to um, you know put up with being a priest and want to be married will simply go to the more yucky places in the world where they can't get the celibate priests to go. And they'll do the job of priests in those locations and fine. They they do the, the yeoman's work. And then after a series of decades, they'll be allowed to do some of the better work. Just like humans have done throughout uh, society's evolution, somebody has to go in and do the crap work, has to do the hard stuff. And then their kids or the next generation benefits from it. So there you go. Isn't it amazing that at the same time we're talking uh, that society as a whole is talking about whether or not, you know, trans people can use a women's restroom. The the Catholic Church is still trying to figure out whether or not their priests should be able to get married. They really are a thousand years back. I don't know if it's quite a thousand, but um, but the priests are allowed to wear dresses. They are. Yeah. They got the little skirt things that. They and then there's in. the fact that uh, nuns aren't aren't they essentially like sister wives to Christ or something like that? Yeah, they're they're well. No one's talking about letting them not be celibate. Yeah, no. Sorry, the ladies don't have to don't get to talk about this. Um, Do nuns get to get married in no. this new? No, that's not even being discussed. Uh, they're reserved for Jesus. You know the <laughs> so the body of uh, the Christianity is called the Bride of Christ. Anyway, the Church is called the Bride of Christ. The yes, what you're saying well, about nuns, his, his is, bride is a whore. It is true, but all um, I mean, all of us, uh, all males in the Church are uh, in part uh, the Bride of Christ. So you know, this is an interesting thing. Are they power bottoms? I don't know. They sound like power bottoms. I don't know. I have any idea what any that's crap means. <laughs> I feel like you could extrapolate the meaning. I, I get I, I know what a bottom I, is. I, I I think I have an idea what a power bottom is. Mueller says that uh the Amazon working document lacks theological reflection and creates great confusion for Catholics. He says that it puts the focus on human ideas to save the world rather than Jesus. Jesus never said anything about um celibacy that I can tell and Honestly, the evidence for Jesus being celibate, being uh, single, is scant. Um, I don't. I I didn't see anything in the Bible about Jesus being celibate or saying anything about celibacy. So I don't know. Weren't things they were talking about? Give us a call, rabbis, which Jesus was arguably um, didn't have any prohibitions like that. Jesus was a Jew who grew up in a Jew world and really didn't come in contact with people that weren't in some way related to being Jewish. The whole idea of celibacy for the priesthood would have never entered his mind. It wasn't a discussion. Interesting. Well, I mean, I knew that about the Jewish thing. I didn't know that rabbis weren't required to be celibate. I've never committed any thought whatsoever. But uh, so No, but they can't have a ham sandwich. Hey. So so Paul was the one who invented... Christian celibacy, I no, suppose. No, no, that didn't come up for a, a thousand years. So even years. Paul didn't do it. 
he wasn't married, but he did talk about some celibacy. So he, okay. he extolled celibacy. Well, uh, Tom Gray, uh, who used to host Call to Freedom, believed Paul was gay. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at Edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And we've been talking about the Catholic Church here and its ideas to allow people to get married. Um, I think there's a bit more to be said on the issue of uh, Christianity in general and various destructive policies it has waged throughout the past century or so that created a lot of issues that didn't actually have to exist. Like, I'm from Mississippi, where the only sex education program offered by the school, and I'm with you, okay, I want to I stress that the public school sh- system should not be teaching sex ed in the first place. But if it's going to— There shouldn't to, be a public school system. In my, in my case, they didn't teach sex ed, so, you know— um, yeah. So, but it was an abstinence only. Sex I made it ed through. Program. I made it through my school's sex ed program, <laughs> not understanding the difference between sex and masturbation. I thought the terms were synonymous. Interesting. Oops. Well, it's no surprise that Mississippi has the highest rates of gonorrhea, syphilis, and teen pregnancy, and also has the highest denomination in the United States of Southern Baptists, who are all about that fire and brimstone Christianity. It's the only state in the United States where more than 50% of the population doesn't just share a single religion, but is part of a single denomination of that religion. No other state has that. Wow. And it's no surprise that Mississippi also happens to have the highest teen pregnancy rates, the lowest literacy rates, the highest rates of gonorrhea, syphilis infections. It's just generally not a pleasant place to be, and it's because they're teaching kids that all they have to do is refrain from having sex. That's all well and good. That's not sex education. That's anti-sex education. Yeah, and it's a good idea, I suppose. But it would be going... if it worked in implementation. How's it doing? Yeah. And clearly not it, well. Idea, then it's not a good idea. No, ideas are, are only good sex. if they work. Yeah. Well, this one, yeah, definitely. Good point. But so... I mean, yeah, teens are going to have sex, right? And so because they got no education whatsoever from their parents who share those Southern Baptist beliefs and don't tell them anything about sex— or contraceptives or anything like that. All of that ultimately stemming from the Catholic Church as well. Southern Baptists aren't exactly against contraceptives, but they refuse to teach them to kids because they think it will encourage them to have sex, which is what they're against. It's just absolute nonsense. It's antiquated. It's stupid. And why are they pretending like they weren't having sex with each other when they were 16 and 17-year-olds themselves? I... 
I think that they're guilt. They feel guilty for it, and they don't want their kids doing it. I I don't want my kid doing the things that I did when I was sub twenty one. I can assure you, the list is long and sorted, <laughs> um, sorted, and I don't want him doing those many of those things. I understand sure. that he will do some things, and I'd like to keep the list as under control as I could. I believe by banning them all that I will I'm more likely to drive him to do all of them rather than allowing some and, you know, hopefully controlling some of the circumstances. For instance, some of the circumstances I'm interested in is condom use. Like this condom use will solve some problems. Right. And uh, you know, just banning sex outright. Well, I mean, what if he's got a girlfriend? What if they've been in you know, I I met a young lady to, uh, look, this weekend who had been together. She was with her parents. She didn't talk about having sex with her boyfriend. She'd been together with her boyfriend for two years. She was 16 years old. They got together when uh, she was 14, and he's a little older than she is. Hmm. I wonder what's going on. It's not a good idea to just pretend like these kids aren't doing things. They certainly are. I would agree entirely. Let's go to the phones. We've got Dave calling from Colorado. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, gentlemen. Uh, one of the things that uh, characterizes the, the Free State Project, this uh, libertarian migration to New Hampshire, is the idea that we should um, we should uh, raise as much concern as we can and focus as much scrutiny as we can on the authorities so that they, they get more scrutiny in New Hampshire than anywhere else. And uh, as part of that process today, I would like to tell you about something that happened in Claremont. Have you guys talked about this, this, this cop in Claremont? Mm, not yet. So apparently he managed to uh, cause a five-car crash, and uh, he did so while violating New Hampshire's cell phone law. He was Oof. on his cell phone while he was driving. Oh, this guy causes- was on. This guy was, I think I recall hearing about this. He was on his cell phone driving his police cruiser with his blue lights going and looks down at his cell phone while he's about to run through a red light. And he did, I guess he did run through a red light, according to the article that I read. And uh, again, five car wreck with injuries. And guess what? He's not being charged. Of course Mm. not. (laughs) Did he have his lights on out of curiosity? Yeah, he had his lights on. My understanding is he did. Okay. Well, that's going to get them out of just about everything. Yeah. That the lights are on, the emergency lights are on, and people didn't see it. Whether, you know, I mean, that it's, yeah. Well, the that's... thing is, this is kind of a half-blind intersection because it's like an Oh, X I'm not shape. claiming it's a good idea. It's a, it's a Look, sharp I, angle. I'm against the emergency lights. As a fireman, I have been in two locations. I haven't even been to that many wrecks. I'm a volunteer fireman. Maybe I've been at a couple dozen Two of them, there were wrecks next to the wreck. Because why? Why were there? Why was there a wreck next to the wreck? Because they create dangerous circumstances. Rubberneckers want to look, right? So, I mean, we put a circumstance where you have lights that are flashing round and round, um, bringing everybody's attention to a situation. So the lights are intended to grab your attention. That's their job. And people want to, people are nosy. The pulling people over on the side of the road with those lights, I believe, is a ought to be weighed against how much danger is that person actually creating on the road. Because you're creating a danger when you pull them over and then ask everybody to go around and merge and all do all these things. 
It's dangerous just pulling somebody over, and those lights are dangerous. They're intended to distract drivers. Mark, That's their you want, job. Do you want to know the kicker to this? This police officer was responding to a house fire. Yeah, so like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Right. <laughs> Let's make sure everybody's out of the vacant house, so if somebody comes out of the vacant house, I'm going to write him a ticket. He didn't need to be there. Any more on this story, Dave? Well, it's just, it's, you know, they, they got all this trouble to make a, a law that stops us from using cell phones. They could have made a law that says you can't use cell phones unless you're a cop going to a fire <laughs> or something like that. But they didn't. Uh, I think I think it. I don't think there's any kind of uh, exception for cops. Well, they and just have their just general know. generic exception that says we can do whatever we want. Well, I mean, don't yeah. they generally carry like laptops and you know radios and stuff like that in their vehicles? Uh, the the law isn't about cell phones; it's about using handheld devices, right? You can't have them in your hands, but you know they they do in fact have their radios in their hands, and they do have laptops sitting right there on their consoles in a lot of cases. So I imagine, yes, the law does in fact include some exception for the police. Well, I'm they, not saying that's right. Right. These, the idea that these guys can have laptops sitting in their uh, passenger right. chairs, um, you know, with their mounts for the laptop. I mean, it's not like this is a secret or anything. Right. I mean, we're mounting these laptops in there and then tick, 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 doing the things that they do. Well, that they're they're not superhuman. They're going to get distracted like anybody else. Yep. Well, Dave, thank you so much for the call. Right. Always uh, unfortunate to hear about the various wrongdoings of police. I rem- there was another cop not terribly long ago who was texting while making a turn. I don't remember what state this was in. And he hit somebody on a bicycle who was, you know, waiting for the cop to make his turn so that they could go. And he just turned directly into them. Never even saw them because he was busy looking down at his phone. I'm I'm not surprised. It, uh, you know, I mean, everybody gets distracted, and when you don't have the level of response, um, when you don't hold, when you're not going to be held responsible for your actions, yeah. that's it's yeah. going to be a problem. As a cyclist, as a cyclist who bikes every day, cops are some of the most dangerous drivers I see. Interesting. That's all there is to it. But that's cops for you. Uh, that's what they do. They're thugs. They're rapists. They're murderers. They're wife beaters. They're just generally all around terrible people doing terrible things. Well, they're also normal people that are caught in normal situations, too. 855 This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And I love this headline here. Uh, Meatless meat is becoming mainstream. And it's sparking (laughs) a backlash. Now, just the idea of meatless meat. Uh, So so it's not meat. It literally is not meat. Yeah, it's it's meatless, but it, it resembles meat. But yeah. Meatless meat. I mean, what are we going to have next? Waterless water? That's How about meatless alcohol. patties? Meatless patties. Well, that's oh, what these right. are, right? Meatless burger patties? <laughs> You've had one of these, have you not, Mark? Oh, I love them. I, I thought it was great. I had, I think, the Impossible Burger, but it might have been the Beyond Burger. I'm not sure which one it was, obviously. and But it was great. It was now. I liked Burger King's old 
veggie burgers. Uh, they were actually with very good. Uh, they didn't taste like meat, but they weren't supposed to either. They, they had their own unique taste, and it was a good taste. I have not had that, and I would say that the meatless burger that I had was close enough to meat that I couldn't really tell um, for a hamburger. Now, I'm not going to claim it was like making you – know, you know how you take hamburger, you smash it into a sort of a hamburgery shape, you cook huh. it, you slap it on a bun? It wasn't like that. Okay. It was like, you know, when you buy the burger that's already made into a burger at the store and you get like the, I don't know, the 12-pack the of burgers that are separated by wax paper? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like those burgers. Okay. Not the greatest burgers, mind you, but the fact that they can replicate that is amazing with something that is not meat. It certainly is. But before we get into that, let's go to the phones. We've got Freddie calling in from uh, Connecticut. Freddie, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Freddie, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, my God. I cannot believe all the bile hatred and vitriol coming. FM. Saw that coming. <laughs> oh, you don't need to dump those. I don't see any reason to dump them. I mean, what what's the point? If if Ian's not going to do anything about this, why are we dumping um, the, these calls? Just hang up on him? Yeah, just hang up on him. All right. I mean, if Ian oh. wants to do something about it, do something about it. Don't just pretend. I mean, that's such it's such a lame cover-up. Sure. Ian's uh, letting mean, no. this guy call in, this guy that has threatened the life of my kid. Is there a way to stop that, though? There's a variety of ways. Yes, I've presented a way, and Ian didn't want anything to do with it. Ah. Uh, so. That's because unfortunate. this is what he wants. He wants this lunatic to call in so that he can chit-chat with him. Because he likes talking to crazy people. Even <laughs> homicidal crazy people. I like talking to crazy people. I do not. Um, and I would ask again. right now, James Witt, please call me again. Never. Ever, ever. I don't ever want to hear my name, my son's name, my wife's name ever come out of your stinking crazy mouth again. <laughs> Just I, in case you wondered. I, I believe it. Um, I like tipping him... Um, Tiny, tiny amounts of cryptocurrency just to kind of... Oh, in the Discord chat room? Yes. Yeah, he's... Uh, you can you can tip anybody there. Yes. And it's funny to throw um, pennies at him. Yes. Well, not even pennies. I'm throwing him 0.00000... Well, he demanded that I pay him for whatever these perceived slights are that he he's, you know, obsesses about. So I sent him six cents. You've been paid. He's demanded that I apologize and pay him. I said, I'm sorry for any perceived insult. Here's six cents. And I sent him six cents. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've probably sent him a total of a a thousandth of a penny by mm-hmm. this point. Which, is, But, uh, you know, I've never even spoken to the guy beyond just hanging up on him when he calls because, I mean, you don't want to talk to him. I don't mind talking to him, but he's not allowed to call Free Talk Live. So, okay, I'm good with that. Uh, I think he's allowed to call when I'm not on now. The, okay. Ian's got a new rule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the entertaining lunatics me. rule. Now, mind you, I, I well, would think I mean, that- if he's not calling in to make threats and stuff like that, I get it. I mean, he's just stupid and unhinged. Well, I, I would say that um, to some extent I can uh, defend Ian's position in so much as if you don't like James calling, call and then take his slot. 855-450-3733.
So the Impossible Burger launched quietly in upscale restaurants a few years ago. The coverage was mostly positive, with some reviewers even calling it the future of meat. Now, do either of you remember when uh, Amazon bought Whole Foods? Yes. And, you know, it was alleged that now you can buy everything on Amazon except privilege, social status, essentially. (laughs) And that's ultimately what this comes down to. Amazon made the social status of being a whole food shopper convenient, affordable, and available for everyone. And then Burger King has essentially done the same with the Impossible Burger and the the hipsters out there that, you know, tend to— They don't like it? They don't like it one bit. So why is that? I mean, what, what's the argument for making whatever this uh, social good is, presuming this is a social good? I believe it is, but... Um, They're you know, not that's, special anymore. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, there's the old, uh, I saw it first. I got the t-shirt back in, uh, you know, 1987. So, you know, whatever. Before you did. Yep. But now Impossible products have hit uh, Qdoba Burger King and supermarkets. I don't know what Qdoba is. I do know what Qdoba is. It's like a Mexican grill type. It's similar to Chipotle and Moe's. Another plant-based meat company, Beyond Meat, is featured in Carl's Jr., Subway, and now McDonald's. It's a sign that the new wave of meatless meat (laughs) is approaching mainstream status. An encouraging development if you care about changing our meat-centric food system. I, I don't. Can we I, just I call care. this, instead of meatless meat, call it fake meat? Because it's, it's not meat. I don't even know if I want to call it, well, I guess fake meat is accurate because how it about, is trying to be meat. How about deep fake meat? <laughs> but if the emergence of meatless meat a few years ago was held unanimously as a good thing, the response to its mainstreaming has been tinged with skepticism. The adoption of Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat products by fast food chains hasn't exactly been welcomed in some quarters, even among those who you think would be more supportive of this development. Call it the backlash against the fast rise of meatless meat. Yeah, they they really like that phrase because that's like the fourth time in this article they've used it. Yep, yep. um, I mean, you can't have meatless meat. Interesting. Uh, They bring up uh, Whole Foods, sort of. Uh, For instance, the CEO of Whole Foods and the CEO of Chipotle both criticized Beyond and Impossible products, calling them too highly processed. Now, I get that from Whole Foods. I've never actually had Chipotle, though. They would have to be processed, right? You have to process vegetation pretty heavily to make it uh, seem almost like a meat patty. Yes. Yeah, but what the 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 catch is? What kind of processing are you doing? I mean, it's, they're they're saying processing like it's a bad thing, but they're not really being specific about what kind of processing is done. I mean, P- processing just sounds bad. Yeah. Well, I would expect Whole Foods to you know be against that sort of thing, but uh, Chipotle, I imagine all of their food is pretty heavily processed as well. Mm, I actually Chipotle's kind of their stick is kind of like. Mostly unprocessed stuff. Well, define unprocessed. That's where we that's where we get into the, the uh, sticky bit again. But yeah, they they tend to use like like raw beans and homemade salsa, fresh beef, whatever. Interesting. But food writer and former New York Times colonist Mark Bittman, who has long called on Americans to eat less meat, criticized the new higher tech vegan meats. We're not addressing resource use and hyper-processing, although he has held them in the past. Higher tech vegan meats. Vegan 
meats. Well, <laughs> deep fake meats. I tell you, I'm telling you. His web- I imagine the vegans don't particularly, a lot of vegans don't particularly like this either because they're more sort of pro-vegetable. Well, you know, eat more vegetables and eat more beans if you don't want to eat meat. Don't try something that's not going to be meat, like that's very close. A lot of people just want you to stop even wanting something that's like meat. And that, then that's the problem. If you I don't main- want to stop eating burgers. That's right. like the Catholic Church trying to stop people from having sex. As opposed to just finding, uh, get, getting married and having sex in a non-sinful way. Or having vegan meat patties. Well, I... If it, people want a thing, they're going to do the thing. They're going to do the know? thing. At least present them with a relatively undestructive method that they can use to pursue doing that thing. That's the libertarian position. You know, people, you can't control people's behavior. No matter what they're doing, they're, whether you like it or not, they're going to find a way to do it. Whether it's having sex or eating meat. The um, To support the amount of humans on planet Earth, we need to have fewer uh, livestock animals, and this is a way to do it. 855-450-373. You can be the smartest person in the room on the topic of the Constitution if you watch this free webinar. Liberty First University is online training on the principles of liberty and the origin, proper application, and defense of our founding documents and the principles they contain. You will receive an education worthy of the highest institutions of learning as if the founders were teaching it. Join us at lfu.freetalklive.com to watch the free pre-recorded webinar. Watch now at lfu.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-FREE, as in free of meat, meat patties. With you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And as alluded to, we've been talking about the impossible meats and the beyond meats and evidently how they're triggering some people who, I don't know, kind of feel like they're losing uh, social status, although the, the complaints uh, being ra- raised so far in this issue are less about that and more about, okay, well, you're doing meatless patties and that's great, but you're not doing it right. These are still too heavily processed. Why can't you just throw some spinach between the buns and call it a day? Because that's not going to taste anything like meat. Right. The marketplace should decide this. And as far as I'm concerned, Whole Foods, um, if they, I guess they're going to have to determine for themselves if they will lose business um, by carrying these patties that will eclipse the amount of business that they would gain by having them. And that's a decision they're going to have to make for themselves. I haven't been to a Whole Foods in at least a year probably wasn't in one before that for another year. I don't care about Whole Foods. Yeah, My I wife does go pretty pretty regularly. I do not. I um, literally eat whatever I feel like eating. And they have that at regular grocery stores. You don't have to pay triple for it. <laughs> they so, do. But so. I can't even be bothered to do that. I just go eat somewhere, which usually has some sort of highly processed food that tastes good and is quick and not much of a hassle. So this is uh, so you're just like saying a restaurant, a fast food restaurant or a restaurant sure. of sorts. Yeah, okay. I tend to not eat a lot of fast food. Okay, 
for whatever that's worth. It's ready quickly. It is, but I mean, so is like local burger and, you know, Indian curry here in Keene. I don't mind waiting five minutes, but I'm not going to stand there for 10 minutes cooking something. It's just not worth my time. No. Okay. It is, but I'm lazy and I don't want to be bothered. So I'm not going to be bothered. If you don't feel like cooking, you don't feel like (laughs) cooking. I'm not here to to tell people that they got to. Uh, You're probably going to eat a healthier diet if you do, but, uh, you know, you're young and that's that and i don't i'm doing okay i, I don't do it when i'm yeah, uh, for now i didn't i didn't you know i don't even eat i won't cook pretty much if my wife's not in town she'll make soups and things that i can heat up on the stove so i really have <laughs> nice. no opportunity to talk yeah well you're not going to live to 50 so it doesn't matter that's the plan to be sure the new plant-based burgers have gotten a lot of positive coverage too and they certainly have the impossible burger it was everywhere when Burger King released it, and I'm sure they made a killing off of it. And some pragmatic reviews more focused on describing their taste, pretty meaty, although some reviewers insist they can still tell the difference. Well, I mean, yeah, you've got people out there who say there's no difference between Coke and Pepsi, and there's an enormous difference. Coke is awful. Pepsi is good. What? Coke is good. Pepsi is awful. Where are you from again? I, I am from Earth, where Coca-Cola is awful. I thought Pepsi you were from the South, good. and like what I heard sound treasonous. I didn't say anything negative about sweet tea, Mark. <laughs> Coke is from Atlanta, and um, uh, I'm sorry. Pepsi I have is, no Pepsi use from New York. for that ultra-sweet crap called Pepsi. Yeah, I, I have to go with them fighting words, Mark. With, with whom? <laughs> Who likes that stuff still? Pepsi's Pepsi is, so much better. It, Pepsi is garbage. Agree to disagree. You got good reach, but you don't want to fight me. (laughs) But this is a nascent industry, evidently, and any pushback can have an impact. Uh, I'm not particularly concerned about pushback from the vegans on this particular subject. I'm not worried about pushback from the vegans (laughs) on anything. I mean, mean, especially not this, right? Right. But there's certainly some truth to the critiques. The Beyond and Impossible Burgers aren't exactly health food. Something. I, well, look, no one's going to Burger King expecting health food. Come on. That's not the point. Yeah, no. that's not why you go to Burger King. You, yeah, you don't go you... to the red light district to find a wife. <laughs> and you don't go to Burger King for health food. I don't think of the Beyond Burger as addressing the issue of, of health. I, I consider it as addressing the issue of humans consuming too much meat yeah wasn't this supposed to be a climate change thing well the the cows do have a lot of flatulence that's, that's what it is and that's being captured it's all about in the that atmosphere. cow farts <laughs> but they're they're more they're not more unhealthy than the meat products they're displacing the impossible oh dear lord here's a sentence for you the impossible whopper might help save the planet but it's still high-calorie, greasy, and probably not a good idea to eat every day. So that's the Impossible Whopper is going to save the planet. So who who is out there eating Whoppers every day? I, I don't know about Whoppers, but I do know people who, like, eat Burger King for breakfast every day. And they're, they're fat and diabetic, and they, they look like they're about to kill over. So for what it's worth, there are people, especially in the South, who do that sort of thing. Tragically, even though, you know, they shouldn't because Burger King, it's not good. Well, you know, they got the, they, they got those cheap crisp sandwiches. So you, and they're, they taste good. So they do. 
And and I you had know. one just the other day. It was pretty good. I haven't had one in years, but uh, I was taking my mom to the airport. I was hungry, and you know, an hour from the house, and so. I mean, there was definitely a time when I was in college that I ate Burger King almost every single day for about a year. But I'm young and in good shape, and I do stay active. So I wasn't one of those people who just got their four sausage and biscuits from Burger King and then went home and sat in front of a television all day. So fast food in general are not going to be good, but the allegation that the Impossible Whopper might help save the planet is among the most absurd things I've ever heard. Well, I, I think the I think the general idea behind that is that it will reduce the uh, the cow the flatulence, cows, the cow flatulence, and uh, pa- the amount of pasture that's being used for cows. Also, um, I mean, livestock plants oxidize. Oxidize what? I mean, well, carbon dioxide, which is carbon dioxide. Yeah, that's food yeah. for plants. Well, it's oxidizing because they uh, well. They, yeah, sir. I mean, certainly a carbon-rich um, atmosphere is going to be good for plants, but it's possible. I mean, accor- according to climate scientists, it's not so hot for um, you know the greenhouses effect. Now, maybe well, then they need to research to their history and learn about cyanobacteria and how plant life evolved in the first place from said bacteria in a carbon-rich atmosphere that contained little or no oxygen three and a half billion years ago, giving well, rise to the plants that we have today because carbon was so abundant, they were able to you know thrive and reproduce and eventually three billion years later you have a bunch of plants and you have a bunch of animals working together to keep the atmosphere relatively in balance the issue here is really going to be the deforestation for what the uh, for animals yeah we yeah we destroyed but you need the to balance def- between you need to deforest to have um you know land to grow things on too sure it admittedly you can grow more calories um in say you know, corn than you can in cows in a given, you know, area. So, well, I don't think caloric intake is America's problem. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's some not. people's problem, though. But on the subject of global warming and the atmospheric conditions and all that, it's a problem that will fix itself. Just like cyanobacteria, you know, consumed too much of the carbon for them to sustain their population, so will humans ultimately consume too much of the forest to sustain animal population and what will happen uh, humans will die off therefore the ability to impact the environment will decrease forests will regrow taking advantage of the increase in carbon and the problem will solve itself yes mother nature will be fine yes the question is how will humans be now one of the suggestions is that's why my criticism it'll be a mass extinction which could be not so hot well not necessarily bad either you know it's just a change in how things are. And that's my issue with the climate change people is that, you know, they're they're so obsessed with how things are right now that they're willing to just undergo these massive uh, changes in order to maintain the status quo, to maintain human dominance over Earth when every indication is that humans are not suited for dominance over the Earth. So let nature take its toll. You want to call yourself an environmentalist and you're fighting nature? Are you kidding me? Give us a call. What do you think about climate change and how flatulence and eating babies and how Greta, whatever her name, Grunfield, Dunfield, something like that. 855-450-373.
This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria, Michael, and Mark. And you know, more and more people are being concerned with the online tracking of our movements and our personal data through our mobile phones. Gone are the days when only the bad guys, whoever they were, were tracked. Now everyone is being tracked every minute of every single day by their mobile phones and tablets. And don't think that putting your phone on airplane mode will stop it. Your location history is still recorded by your phone and transmitted later when you connect. If you want to know how to stop tracking on your phone and prevent your phone from being hacked, you can visit godarkbags.com slash FTL. I've actually used one of these in the studio. They are fantastic. It is shocking how effective they actually yep. are. Now, it's a bag. Oh, yeah, it works. I have you, one at home. It's a bag that you put your mobile device in, and it immediately and completely severs all external communications from that device. It's very, very awesome. effectively. <laughs> are you being treated? Are you sick of being treated like a wild animal, tagged and tracked for scientific study so that tech companies can make a fortune selling your location history? Well, then you should go to GoDarkBags.com slash FTL, and you can prevent that. You can take control over what companies are learning about you. Plus, with the rise of geofencing warrants and things like that, where the cops are subpoenaing Google, saying, hey, we want to know all of the users who were in this specific area at this particular time. That's frightening i mean in america it's happening in america it is police are on the record doing it and google is turning that information over to them so go darkbags.com slash ftl you can help control your location history now let's go to the phones we got mortified penguin calling via our discord server which you can find at discord.lrn.fm mortified what's on your mind Hey, I um, hope I sound like I'm just in a studio with you guys. Um, but I want to say, first of all, in, uh, in regards to your, your read with the, the um, Faraday bags, the Godark bags, I don't have any experience with that particular brand. But, um, yeah, you, you definitely um, – they're, they're great. There's nothing more blunt than physically um, preventing any kind of uh, electromagnetic you know, signal to go in in and out of a place just physically blocking it off and one of the biggest advantages to the go dark bags um when compared to their competition in the marketplace is that they are um lined with uh soft material on the inside so your phone isn't sort of being uh played with by the you know fair the the metal the ferrous metal there um that uh, lines the bag um because it has this little piece of fabric whereas other bags that'll happen very yeah, cool. if you're um yeah, and if you're in the market for that kind of thing, don't don't cheap out. Don't go with the reputable brand because you, you don't want to cheap out. It a it just won't work if you waste your money. No, I mean if you're interested in it, go to godarkbags.com slash FTL to get one. Um they're awesome. Yep. I've seen them in action here in the studio. It's it's amazing what they've managed to do. So I wanted to call in about the uh, impossible burger. I, I've tried it impossible meat several times, usually not in the form of a burger. But um, and it's it's obviously trickled its way down to um, Burger King, and kind of like what you guys were saying. My experience with it is it really does there. It really is pretty amazing how it um kind of is a a facsimile of a certain kind of meat. So it's like a Burger King burger. It's fast food Burger King Whopper burger that we expect, and it's it's pretty pretty close. It it um represents it pretty well. It's not like some gourmet burger. It may not come you know come to the same 
level of taste and quality. I don't know, but nope. um, yeah. But when it comes to uh, to mimicking a whopper, definitely spot on. Well, see, I don't like the idea of you know not having the 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 quality of taste or whatever and ranking the meat versus the meatless burgers because I was a fan of the Burger King veggie patty back when they carried it a number of years ago, and it wasn't that it was better or worse than their regular Whopper. It was just that it was different. If I wanted that particular flavor, I would have it. It's like you know, it's kind of like arguing that spaghetti is better than pizza. To me, That's it's true. just, okay, well, it's, it's just different. And another one thing I've had is, uh, and, uh, this is amazing, by the way, just because it's a really good place, um, lo- local local chain here, but an Impossible Meatloaf sandwich they're serving right now um, with, like, a kind of a barbecue kind of sauce. And, like, again, you're trying to, like, you're, you're, you know, you're trying to imitate a meatloaf. And I think you can imitate a meatloaf pretty well with the impossible meat. Well, you yeah, know? they're like 50% bread by themselves, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, they're yeah, already half not meat. <laughs> yes, but you pay, it's, it's so, super expensive. And I hope everybody catches on so I can um, get them for cheaper. But, um, you know, I'm as, as uh, some of you might know, you know, I'm, I'm a practicing Muslim. So I, I do keep a kind of a, a sort of vegetarian diet with, because um, I'm, I'm one of the people that, you know, does try to keep a, a you know halal meat diet, um, and I'm one of the people that says kosher is okay, but not any old meat's okay. Just if you say a blessing over it, you do have to, you know, one of the two. When you can usually find a decent amount of uh, stuff, um, especially it's increasing and increasing. But um, you know, there's also a bit of subjectivity because the word halal means uh, it means permissible, and what is permissible, you know, if you can decrease there's a subjectivity to it. If you can decrease animal suffering and factory farming and the p- pollution and, and, and all the negative aspects of the, of the um, industrial scale factory farming system, um, then that could be a benefit in, in and of itself. But uh, at the moment, you know, unfortunately it's not really price competitive. Is Are or, the impossible burgers not com- price competitive these days? I, I don't think they're price competitive to meet okay. uh, to regular beef burgers i'm not 100 sure about the the whopper because i hadn't eaten a whopper in so long until i had that but um i think you're paying a little bit of a premium but that's supply and demand i think hopefully yeah well, um, even the out. market will, the market will fix that over time um you know obviously i'm not eating to uh, be halal but i i'm not thrilled with um factory farming specifically for uh pigs but um i don't imagine right. that's your problem um so well mortified thank you for the call uh, i'm not a fan of the factory farming either because I-, I made the mistake of watching food incorporated the documentary and the documentary earthlings both of them are strong weapons in the vegan toolkit oh yeah uh, Food Inc. especially, it focuses largely on Tyson and just the horrifically immoral things that they do to animals. So I'm not a fan of it's it. It's not nice. No, is but um, I'm not sure what the solution is. I don't think that things like the Impossible Burger and things like that will actually supplant the industrialized food making process that we've created, because there there are so many people out there who are like who will eat meat just for the sake of eating meat and will take pride in eating meat. And other people who are like, you know, I really don't care that that chicken was tortured for a year and a half before it was finally slaughtered. Oh, you're not eating any chickens that were a year and a half old, no, unless you're true. eating a chicken yeah. noodle soup. Most chickens are probably nine weeks old that um, you're eating. Nine weeks, really? Yeah, you're eating wow. it uh, any kind of, if you're eating it off the bone or um, eating, say, a breast or something like that, if you're eating an unprocessed piece of meat, 
it is highly unlikely that it's, you know, three months old. They grow that fast? Yeah, they do. They bred them to the point. These things can't move. I mean, I've yeah. seen free-range chickens, um, organic chickens. They're significantly smaller. But they can't move. I mean, they can't move. The breath, the, the what they call uh, oh, because they freedom still... rangers, um, okay. with, you know, it's, it's, it's bred for breast size, and they can't move. Yeah, yeah speaking of that, man, I've... I've bought chicken breasts from Walmart before or wherever, and they were just sickeningly huge. Like, you take them out of the package, and it's just so disgusting that I could not eat it. Divi is crypto made easy. Anyone can use Divi to securely and seamlessly spend, earn, store, or exchange digital money, the U.S. dollar, and euros. Divi is fast. Transactions happen in seconds with fewer fees. While other altcoins are languishing, the Divi price has risen substantially against BTC. Now's the time to make a switch to Divi or make your start with cryptocurrency with Divi. Visit DiviProject.org. Divi is crypto made easy. Plus one click masternotes. DiviProject.org. Again, DiviProject.org. This is Free Talk Live. Call in us, talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And we've been talking about meats. Well, no, we haven't. We've been talking about meatless meats, evidently, which is, I I hate the term meatless meats, but I love saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so absolutely absurd. But let's get straight into the phones here. We've got Gene, the Christian anarchist, calling in. Gene, what's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to talk about uh, a trip we're planning on in a couple of weeks. We're going to be going to Macau and possibly spend a day or so in Hong Kong. Now, I'd much prefer to spend more time in Hong Kong with what's going on over there. Um, but of course my wife is afraid of anything political, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know how women are. (laughs) Um, anyway, (laughs) um, so, um, I've watched China for 25 years. I've been to China for 25, you know, been going there for 25 years and I've watched them playing with their new toys. I mean, 25 years ago, when I first went to China, I was kind of at that point, afraid, you know, I go into China, I'm never going to come out. But I found out it really wasn't that way at all. China 25 years ago was was reasonably free. I mean, for a communist nation, they had just started going to a market economy and people's income levels were being were picking up. Of course, there was no political freedom at all. But uh, financially, everybody was was getting better every single year for the last uh, well, for the first 15 years or so. Now, the last 10 years, things have started to clamp down, and I've watched the cameras going in, and I've watched, I've been a victim of their Chinese censorship when I try to use uh, internet over there. Yeah, they're getting I mean, better at it, too. And they are. And I mean, it used to be easy to get around it, just get a good VPN and you're around it, but now they're blocking a lot of the VPNs, it's getting harder and harder to get past their their censorship and their political fervor over there because they do have uh, a very powerful tool in the form of 
controlling all the information that the Chinese people get to hear. So the Chinese people, when they get up in arms because they, you know, they're angry at Taiwan because Taiwan has taken their little stupid islands or whatever, they actually believe that because that's the only side of the story they hear. And well, I mean, things uh, are really no different here. Well, we do have more freedom here, thank God. Oh yeah, we that. have more. But the but, I mean, the information the you're being is, fed at any specific time, you have you generally have no way of knowing whether or not that's you true. You have to go looking um, for other sides to a story, and it's not always easy to find it. Right. It's not. Right. It, it, the, it's generally possible, though. Here in China, it's really not. But the worst thing throughout history, the worst thing you can possibly face, I think, is a mob, the mob mentality and the mob mindset. And the problem is when you control the information to, uh, what is it, uh, 2 billion people, and you make yourself a mob of 2 billion angry people, it can be a horribly scary thing. And I have heard... um heard tell of certain events going on in China where they will, where the people turn against uh, foreigners or different kinds of people. Mm. And it's because, because they're being fed all this nonsense. It's not the people themselves, because I know a lot of people over there and they're good. They're darn good people, but they get fed this nonsense, just like we get fed this nonsense about, you know, the, the latest boogeyman overseas. And then, the greater portion of the people will fall into that mindset that, oh, we hate those particular people. Now, yeah. fortunately, we do have two sides of a story here if you look for it. But, yeah, when you think that the only side they get is one side and that's really all they ever hear, that's a scary thing. And all governments throughout history have used this technique to get the masses angry at whoever it is they want to point them at. Yeah, but uh, this I've hoped that the Internet would be the one big thing that would that would spread liberty throughout the world. But if you can't get through that stupid firewall, uh, it's you not going to really do the job into a problem. Yeah. So anyway, I'm well, going to go to Macau, which is not really China, but not really not China. It's pretty close. And uh, we might we might go over to Hong Kong and I'll keep you guys posted. Cool. Yeah, stay yeah. safe out there and definitely keep us posted on the trip. Thanks for the call, Gene. Uh, it's certainly a scary situation in China. Um, I, I don't know what people could do about it, though. Well, uh, Hong Kong, I would – I don't know. I mean, it's all very uh, – very. I'm very curious, like Gene. I'd like to see what's going on there. Absolutely. Let's get right back into it. We've got Mike calling from Gold Bar, Washington. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, you guys and girls. Um, Hi, I you. wanted to mention um, uh, about five years ago, I rented from what I would call a conspiracy theory bag nutcase lady that actually was more spot on than I ever imagined. I realize it now. <laughs> One wonders <laughs> um, always. Yes. One, well, you know, there was no meat allowed on her property in her residence at where she lived. But what was really funny was she bought some uh, a property to escape to and had like 10,000 pounds of five gallon buckets of rice and drove a geo metro um but when she took me to her property before she drove off she said you have your cell phone and i'm like well duh of course i have my smartphone she goes and she opens her glove box and she drags out a mylar blanket literally the whole space blanket wadded up in there and she goes wrap it up 
I'm like, what are you talking about? Anyway, she goes, I can't be tracked to my property. And it really actually, because I can't afford a dark bag, but believe it or not, you can take a space blanket, wrap your phone up in it, and it does the same thing as the thing you advertise if you're on a budget. Yeah, if you're on a budget, there's some some downsides to it, but it's true. If you're on a budget, worried about being, you can just build something out of tin foil too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just funny. This was a long time ago, and I thought, what a great invention. She should make something, you you know. And now here's this bet. And here it is. Can I ask Michael a question? Go right ahead. Um, Did you? Are you? I'm not sure who it was that mentioned the TED Talk video about what you think you know about drug addiction. Was that you? That was not me. Probably on the show. Probably nobody is what we think. Oh, it was no. Okay, I keep forgetting. I'm having a hard time keeping up, but uh, with who's who, I'm just learning. But anyway, it's a uh, show full of white guys. We've got a large cast of characters here (laughs) and a trans chick. Right, I'm just kind of new to the show, and I really appreciate the whole thing. And um, anyway, thank you, everybody. Glad to hear it, Mike. Uh, Always positive. Always good to end on a positive note, rather. So these. the censorship thing in China. I wanted to discuss a little bit more briefly uh, because it relates to the to the go dark bags and just the whole idea of government using technology to control the population. Right. If people had been, you know, had stepped in sooner with their uh, Faraday bags, they might not have the, the penetration in the marketplace of uh, government censorship might not be so large. Yeah. Just an idea. And that would be great. Of course, uh, China is increasingly Orwellian. Uh, that's actually legitimately Orwellian, what's going on in China, where they can actually – they actually do have the ability to directly rewrite their own history, and they do it. It's horrifying. And, of course, as I was alluding to when we were talking with Gene, it's not really that different here. Uh, where is it? We're taking people's words for it that World War II even happened. And I get there's massive amounts of evidence. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Sure, I'm saying it's almost certainly happened. But at the end of the day, I've never been to Europe. I've never looked through these fields and seen the history myself in person. You know, I'm taking people's words for it. You know, I've I've seen a Civil War uh, musket ball dug up at uh, Gettysburg, but that's about as close as I could get. But who's to say it wasn't planted there, right? Um, I mean, you know, at some point or another, these... Can I prove I'm not an automaton that actually uh, goes into, um, you know, stasis sure. uh, when I walk out the door um, and then just imagine having a family and a house and a car? I, I mean, sure, uh, that's certainly uh, an issue. Uh, but when the governments control what information people has, they may very well convince you that you are an automaton. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. If you're quick, you can still get on the air with us, so give us a call at 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria, Michael, and Mark. I want to say thank you to Barry, who is our amplifier today. Uh, That's the Amplify Market and Promote program that you can find at amp.freetalklive.com. Date Barry here. Advertise, market, and promote. 
for the amplifier. What program. did I say? Amplify market and promote. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Which is a little recursive. You do help us to amplify the marketing. Well, that's, that's, that's what it's all true. about. The reason why but we I'm, call it advertise, market, and promote is because that's where that money goes. It's not a general fund. It's it's specifically the marketing budget. Right. And you can check it out at amp.freetalklive.com. Barry here amplifies is a silver amplifier, which means he donates $5 per month, which is all Thanks, it Barry. takes. Thank you, Barry. You get access to things like the AMP-only Facebook page, the AMP uh, room on the Discord server. So it comes with a lot of cool little perks. There's even an AMP-only call-in line for people who amplify the show. So go check it out. Again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. Now, getting right back into it, we've got Olivia calling in from Arizona. Olivia, you're on Free Talk Live. Mark, um, I just wanted to, well, I wanted to address the, the religious thing just for a real brief moment, and then I wanted to talk about the vegetarian thing. So okay. um, I thought it was interesting because the Catholics claim to believe the Bible or like follow the Bible, but then they make their own rules that don't follow the Bible because in First Timothy 3, verse 2, and yes, I looked this up, uh, it says that a bishop must be above reproach the husband of one wife. Uh, sober-minded, and it keeps going on. But I thought that was interesting that there's two ways to interpret that. You can only have one wife, or you have to have a wife to be a bishop. But I thought that was very interesting that that's in the Bible. Um, I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, religious people in general have a habit of taking whatever it is they believe and making it sacrosanct by claiming it to be part of their religion. Now, didn't the Catholics have have a council at some point where they decided what books were going to be in the Bible? Right. That was Nicaea or Trent. Not one of Nicaea. the two. Yeah, um, I don't know if it was Trent, but it was. They certainly did have uh, more than one. But yeah, there was definitely one that uh, sort of stands out. And in that, you know, so many of these what they call heretical gospels were. Yep. Nope. That didn't happen. Nope. That didn't happen. And much the the even the the Catholics even keep a set of books that didn't make it into sort of the rest of our Bibles. Uh, so like uh, St. George and the Dragon and uh, a few others out of there. Yeah. Right. And then um, St. Paul actually said it's better, it's best to be celibate, but it's better to marry than to burn. And it seems like, uh, you know, raping children would definitely, uh, you know, according to their own beliefs, uh, maybe they should, I don't know. Well, according to the Catholic doctrine... All they have to do is ask for forgiveness and feel bad about it, and it will no longer be counted as a sin against them. Well, that's Christianity in general, which, I mean, I do like the idea of redemption, but it's just setting up these, these like, legalistic things where if you go to confession, then it's all good. It should be a change of heart, right? Not just, I, I went through the motions type thing. That's my opinion, anyways. <laughs> I would, I'm with you. I'd... That's the general idea, yeah. I mean, th- those I are the things I like about Christianity. Is, is the idea that you can, um, that you're not, you've done this thing, whatever this thing is, and you know, like the internet, for instance, sees you do something bad, whatever it might be. Um, but you know, the internet's full of people who have been targeted for whatever reason for doing one bad thing, and then there's no redemption. It's just like we know you for this. You are therefore bad and evil. And that's not, I mean, it's, it's, it, you're not looking at the whole person here. You're looking at an instant that you saw them, and I don't find that to be acceptable. Yeah, I totally agree. But I wanted to ask you real quick, Mark, I think earlier, were you the one who said that St. Paul, did you say St. Paul was a like a con man? 
Oh, I believe St. Paul's Claw Man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's, it's interesting you say that. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 go. you say that because I always felt like something was off in those books of the Bible. Like the tone is completely different, and you mm-hmm. start getting these legalistic rules where Jesus seemed more like, you know, I don't know. It just, I find most of the Bible to, to be kind of nonsensical. Oh. I like that the, the Bibles that have Jesus' words in red um, because— Jesus was a good dude. If, if if those, you know, who knows who wrote the those Gospels. It right. would have been nice for me if God had come to earth. It would have been really awesome for him to scribble a few things down. Um, you know, hey, here are the things you actually have to do. One would presume that if God came to earth, that's what God would do. Um, the idea that you have, you know, some people who knew somebody who knew somebody writing this stuff down, very disturbing. Another thing is is that it would have been really awesome if Jesus would have been quoted as saying something like, slavery's wrong, stop it. Yeah, whereas you had Paul. Wash who, your hands after you poop. You're like, there's a few things that could have just been, you know, tossed out there that would have right. solved, solved a lot of human misery. But rather than doing that, Paul actually encouraged slaves to be obedient to their masters, even the cruel ones. Yeah. And the in the Old Testament, good Lord, it loved slavery. Yeah. It's like the plot of the Old Testament. Yeah. By the way, if you want to know more about this uh, claim that uh, Paul's a hustler, don't blame me. Blame Hiam Maccabee and his book, uh, The Mythmaker. So you can find that, well, anywhere that books are sold, you can find uh, The Mythmaker by Hiam Maccabee. Interesting. I'm going to have to check it out now. I've got a copy. You can have it or use it. That would be awesome. I've got to dig it out. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for the call. Um, Definitely an interesting perspective that Paul was a con artist. Um, Hayam Maccabee also makes the argument that Jesus was, in fact, a Pharisee. So um, likely these Gospels were written probably 100 years after Jesus lived, and the politics of the time changed. I mean, think about it for a minute. Has the politics of the United States changed in 100 years? You know, pretty pretty dramatically. So politics can change pretty dramatically in 100 years. Um, and that Pharisees fell out of favor in that time frame, so they framed the Pharisees as bad people, but likely a Jesus was a Pharisee, is the claim. Interesting. Let's get right back to it. we got David calling from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. I see a fairy. Thanks. <laughs> that was you that we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. Uh, Are you watching Talk online? Tranny Talk Live, talk radio, you can troll. You invited. Sure. I, I doubt your trolling is effective, but sure, you can call it trolling if you'd like. I didn't I didn't know trolling was rated. I just thought you just did it. I didn't think it had an effectiveness rating. Well, if you don't guess, get a I, reaction from people, you're not trolling well. I, I feel like I that's probably the best. Enough. I guess I'm just not worried enough about what other people think. My goodness, I'll need to work on that. All around, I'm just happy somebody's people. trying to tell a few jokes, uh, you know, on the air. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody does that. All around, all around, terrible people. Are you? Okay, what? All around. All around, terrible people. Okay. Is, are you yeah. going to finish that sentence? Yeah, um, that's what you said earlier about a group of people uh, being uh, cops. Oh, cops, and, yes. They they are all-around terrible people. Right. So if cops are a group of people that are all-around terrible people, 
Um, does that do, can other groups be all around terrible people? Certainly. Is this about your conspiracy of the LGBT community targeting you for harassing a radio station? Let's yes, let's go down that track. So you were saying that you, you mock the idea that it might possibly be a conspiracy that every literally everyone involved in trying to prosecute me for attempting to call in and have free speech, like they invite everyone to do. Um, you mock my idea that that might be conspiratorial. Let's go over to Nazi Germany for a second. You can laugh at this, too. Oh, you good have Lord. The, SA, the LGBT the, community the storm, are Nazis now. Keep going. The, 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 stor- the stormtroopers, the brown shirts, their leadership is known to have been primarily homosexual. Does that mean anything, or is that just coincidence as well? Uh, that's that's false. I assume you're talking about the uh, guy who was thrown into jail and ended up uh, basically shooting himself because he was told he could shoot himself or he could face public dis- disgrace and still be executed. I don't remember his name now. Um, I think you might have a few facts wrong, but what is it you're just Well, you're the one talking about gay Nazis. I would say if anybody's facts are wrong here, it's probably going to be you. The Nazis okay. weren't big fans so, of gay people. Are you? So are you able to answer the question that I asked you? So far, you haven't answered it. Is it a coincidence that you've imagined a bunch of gay Nazis running up and killing people? That wasn't the question. Do you remember the question? The the question was, do I think it's a coincidence that a lot of the head Nazis were gay? The, the, yeah, the answer nice. is the assertion is silly on the face. All of Nazism contradicts it. And I... Well, then... Is- well, thanks for the call. Go check out the show archive at freetalklive.com. The archive at freetalklive.com. Oh, is it? Okay. You get on the front page, you can get the, the most recent show. All right, podcasters. I just did a podcast with my lovely wife, Laura. It is coming up next, but I'm trying out a new board here, and I'm not entirely happy with the audio. It could be some settings. Uh, it could be an issue that has to do with settings. It's hard to know. I'm not an expert on soundboards, but I'm going to be uh, fiddling with it a little bit. Maybe it's the microphones I'm using. I'm not entirely sure. I'll figure that out. It's just a little fair warning that the audio that's coming up next this is up to FTL's quality of audio that you might be used to. It's not unlistenable by any stretch of the imagination. This isn't going out over a radio station anywhere in America that I know of. And if you can't the audio, well, tune out. If you can't handle being preached to about your finances, well, uh, Laura's coming up next. So that's what's going to happen. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. This is Mark Edge. And Laura. And Laura, my wife. Now, um, as happens often at our house, uh, Laura was worrying about everybody else's finances. <laughs> I'm not, she's, I'm she's not kinda, worried. She's kind of got her. her I like fi- to know. <laughs> You've got your finances relatively well handled. Now you're worrying about other people's. No, I'm not worried. Okay. I'm just, I like to know. Like I like to know what? I like to know what uh, other people are doing, if there's any tips that I can implement, you know, it's just. So you're referring to the podcasts that you listen to sometimes for financial help. Right. Well, um, I, I did happen to hear some because I was helping you wash dishes this go around. And uh, I, will, I will warn the male audience out there, there or, or advise the male audience out there that there's uh, nothing nothing sexier to a woman than a man washing dishes. There isn't. And there really isn't. And um, But 
as far as this goes, I was listening to a few helpful temp tips, and I, I thought that uh, you you liked them quite a bit, and I thought we should share them. Okay. What are some of these tips that people can do to save some money? Well, it, they were talking about kind of the psychology of of um, of finances a little bit. Okay. They were talking about. Um, Automating things, getting things set up ahead of time, especially in your mind. Right. That you will save more money if you make a decision to save ahead of time. If you just right. sort of decide, well, the savings will take care of itself. Doesn't happen. That doesn't really happen. Now, this is tried and true. We read together The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And in that book, it advises in the first chapter, I believe, it advises you to... Um, save 10% of your earnings. Not just earnings. save 10%, but to pay yourself Pay yourself first. first. Right, exactly. And that's a better way of saving th- saying things than saving. Because right. Because saving, although some people see saving as a good thing, other people see savings as a loss. And I think you're one of these people that s- sees it as a deprivation. I understand that you believe that. <laughs> That I am a bad saver. However, uh, maybe you're such a really good saver that all the other ordinary savers in the world just don't look as good. I was saving money when you were, um, you know, when I met you. So you, you were. Know, I was, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Failing to save it in some cases, but I was saving nonetheless. I was doing better than most. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, the what are some of these tips that people can implement in their lives? I thought these were because I like my things to be highly implementable. And in many cases, people don't want to change the way they do things. And, um, you know, it's com- it's coming around to tax season. You're going to be and people are going to be filing their taxes here at the end of uh, uh, the, the year. And they're going to be expecting to get their returns. If the earlier you do it, the more likely you are to get your return uh, early. And so, you know, what are some of the ideas? So I was just looking at who it was that was speaking. And it was this woman, uh, Christine Berman from Irrational Labs. She's a co-founder of Irrational Labs. So they were talking about, you know, the irrational behavior. um, And they've done some studies. And so she also... um, refers to some of these studies and one of the things that they were referring to was the psychology around your tax return your tax refund I guess I should say and she was saying if they ask people in February how much of their tax refund they're going to save they don't actually have it in their little hands or little paws that they will say that they're going to save more. And if they actually put that into implementation by um, um, automation, where they automatically are putting so much of that into savings, that that will actually happen. But if they wait until April, when most people have their refunds, that the amount, on average, is going to be less. They're not going to save as much. They're going to say that they're going to save less when they actually have it in their hands. And same thing, if they automate it, they actually will. If they don't automate it, they might not. So it's it's a little bit of the psychology around this that fascinated me. Yeah, I think that part is interesting. But for me, the uh, tax return, I mean, I've had that experience of getting a tax return. And it's it feels a lot like found money. Right. 
And but the psych- the psychology of it is that it feels like found money, but usually it is not. Usually you have been paying in a little bit each week or each every other week whenever you get paid or every month whenever you get paid, and you're getting that money back. Right, sure. Um, I mean, we can talk about the what a tax refund really is, but we're at this point you're talking about psychology you're switching between psychology and the real world right here. yeah right a, the tax re- return is a um, no interest loan to the government and they're probably, getting your money back from you that probably shouldn't loan them very much money because they're not going to do very good things with it and um, you know giving interest free loans to people especially people you don't like um, is a bad idea so yes that's what it is but so what right. the reality is is that it is better to get a tax refund than it is to get to pay taxes at the end of the year because that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. And and this is the psychology of it again, is it feels better to get something back than to pay. And so whether or not that money, you get that money in little increments every week or every other week or every payday, I guess I should say, um, or you get it back in one lump sum at the end, psychologically depends on how you can handle it. Right. Right. And I would say that I'm better at saving by giving it to the government at a no interest loan than I am by, um, you know, trying to take it out of the paycheck every single uh, week or month or the great, you get paid. The great thing about, you know, these days, right, everything can be automated and you can set it up that way. And once you set it up, then it is more likely to happen than if you have to do it every time. So, you know, those automatic um, withdrawals from your check that go into a different account or automatic um, withdrawals from your account that go into a savings account, those things can really help with that. But the other part of this is you're not talking probably a lot of money and you're not talking about a long period of time. So the interest that you're going to get on something over that one year and actually, you know, 12 months and 11 months and, you know, it keeps going down, um, probably isn't a lot at today's interest rates. No, it's really not. So So if it's better for you psychologically that you get one lump sum, then, you know, you're not really probably losing that much. And especially if you're not implementing these systems. Right. So uh, basically the the first trick is to take your tax return and don't spend it like it's a wild party. Don't go on a vacation. Um, You know, put it into savings. Now, savings could. Well, let's talk about savings and debt and all that stuff um, after we're done with the the tricks. Let's do with the tricks. Okay. Sure. Trick number two was um, what they were calling Fifth Friday. And, you know, I don't know how many people get paid every week anymore. I think it's more common to get paid every other week or once a month. Or If you get paid every other week, you still have a Fifth Friday every now and then. You get it. Yeah, you get that third paycheck instead of the two. And if you're paid every other week, you're either getting paid on, um, you know, depending on the month, getting paid on the first, third and fifth Mm -hmm. or the second and fourth right and so you don't get paid as often because there is there's only so many fifth fridays right and you only get paid so often so you'll probably get two fifth fridays per year as opposed to four right and um you know but it's twice as big so it's fine right and you know the psychology on that is to really look at well if you're if you're making it on a monthly budget on those two paychecks, then that third paycheck is a bonus. Make your monthly budget, 
you know, you should make a monthly budget. You should write it down, what you're paying out in a given period of time. You know, give yourself a certain amount of money to blow on the weekend or whatever it is that you do. I certainly used to. And, um, you know, a certain amount for, you know, taking stuff to work, food and, you know, these kind of things. But you need to have um, this this fifth Friday thing is uh, it's a bonus and it feels like a bonus in many ways obviously you're getting paid for it but whatever it feels like a bonus in a monthly budget so take that bonus and put it into savings and this is where the psychology of it comes into you have to decide this ahead of time Yes. And you have to implement Otherwise, it. Otherwise, it's just a party. Right. And you have to implement it ahead of time. So if you can make that decision for yourself ahead of time and then implement, you know, this is what I'm going to do with it and have it solidified in your mind, you're more likely to do it. And what is the third? The third trip? one is, I think, the best okay. um, because it is saying, round your mortgage payment up. All right. If you round, I used to do this. if yep. you round your mortgage payment up, so whether you round that up to the nearest fifty or the nearest hundred, or you know, however you're rounding it up, you can save significantly on more on the interest that you pay on your, and it'll cut down your loan payment um, as much as seven or eight years on a thirty-year loan if you do that consistently throughout the whole loan. Right. And that's a big deal. When it's a 30-year loan, you're cutting seven or eight years off the end. Now, most people don't make it to this, um, the end. Certainly. Which uh, brings up you know, whether you should be buying or renting. Honestly, if you don't believe that you're going to be staying in some place for 10 years, you probably shouldn't be buying that house. Certainly not. If you're not going to stay in for five, five to seven, certainly, you're, it's, you really got to look at that. But most people think they are, I think, yeah. when they buy a house. I mean, we thought we were going to stay in our last house forever, right? Stayed 10 years. So, you know, yeah, we made the 10-year mark. But, and I, you know, we have had uh, friends recently who, you know, this is our forever home. And then... Not their forever not home. Not their forever home, you know. And so, that's, it's not uncommon. Not uncommon. And that's one of the reasons that I am... Um, Soured is a strong term. I am not as sweet upon the notion of home ownership as I was when I was younger. When I was younger, we were America was in this whole you got to buy a house uh, right. fervor and there were books written on it and you know there was it the value of having a house and then there was the housing the run up to the housing crisis was significantly slower, um, longer lasting than the drop. Right. So, you know, it felt like houses really were a great investment. And house, for one, shouldn't be a great investment. Right. Um, you should be... It's a place to live and you need a place to live. You need a place to live and you need to invest money. Right. But you don't necessarily need to do them together. If you're going to have, you know, if you breed large dogs, if you want to grow a garden, if you, you know, there's there's a few reasons that you probably should have a house as opposed to renting. But by the way, you can have a garden at a rental and some rentals will let you have large dogs. 
probably not breed them. Um, but I mean, you know, there's a few instances that having a house really doesn't, uh, it doesn't make any sense not to have a house, but renting, if you can find the right rent, if you can find the right rent, right. Certainly makes a, a lot of sense. And by if, I mean, likely you will, there are some people out there that are renting their houses for too much, but usually they figure out pretty quickly that, uh, that's, that's too much. And you can negotiate rents just because somebody says I'm renting this for $1,200 a month. Doesn't mean that you need to just say, well, okay. Right. You can say, um, you know, I'm looking around and I do like this place. I would prefer to have this place. But I, I got to tell you that one of obviously money's a factor, rent's a factor. And I feel like this is a little higher than it should be. And I would make it would make my decision a lot easier if you went ahead and dropped this to eleven hundred dollars a month. Right. Now, that's a kind way of negotiating. And by the way, you should negotiate in a kind fashion. You know, the, the hard line negotiations are things of the past. But, you know, you can always tell people those things. So anyway, I'm of the opinion that renting isn't the worst idea that uh, has ever crossed the board because I fixed a lot of crap that I don't want to fix anymore. Um, there's hot water heaters, washer dryers, you know, everything that uh, breaks it's it's a pain, and you got to fix it as the homeowner, and you don't have to fix it as the renter. Sometimes you have to deal with it as the renter, but you have to deal with it as the homeowner too. So anyway, that's how I feel about um, renting these days. Is, is that it often uh, seems like a better idea. What one thing I, more that I want to address now that we've given out the tips? Can you rattle them off real quick? Sure. Again? So it was um, predetermining what you're going to do with your tax return. Mm-hmm. Um, Looking at saving that extra paycheck. Right. The fifth, the fifth Friday. Fifth paycheck. Friday paycheck. It was what we're calling it. And rounding up your mortgage payment to cut off the, um, the, the amount of money you're paying for your mortgage. So even if you round off, like I think what they're talking about is rounding off to the nearest hundreds. Right. In all likelihood. But you probably won't miss that little extra bit of money because you're probably making your, hopefully making your mortgage payment as soon as you get that paycheck that's just before it. Um, but you know, it, it, yeah, it can be done and it saves you some interest in the long run. You should write when you do the check or whatever. That it goes to principal. To principal. (laughs) I think the vast majority of the time it does go to principal, but as a former banker, you are uh, adamant about writing things in memo lines because you think it's a good thing to do. Right. It's kind of a contract. If they cash the check, it's. It really doesn't work that way. Well. If you can show somebody, I mean, not that a judge is going to see you over a little bit of money, but nonetheless, you should write uh, to principal. What if, like, you were like the vast majority of Americans carrying debt? Mm-hmm. So um, we're talking about putting things in savings, and putting sa- things in savings sounds like a wonderful idea. But um, what if you're carrying a whole bunch of debt? Is that should you be focusing on the debt first? Which sorts of debt should you focus on? It really depends. I mean, there's so many different theories out there, but um, you got to look at your... How about credit card debt? Well, of course. Most likely, yes, because credit card debt is going to be... is going to be higher interest rate. So I've I've seen things where it's um, anything over 6%, you should get rid of. Right. So anything over 6%, you've got to definitely go after. But that doesn't mean you should stack up on um, debt below 6%. Honestly... I'm a, a strong believer that the borrower is the slave to the lender because you've already said I'm buying this thing. It, I mean, you know, whatever it is, whether it's even a mortgage, you've said 
look, I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm buying this. Um, you know, I may only have 5% to put towards it, but it's mine now and my problem now. Well, with a rental, you can honestly walk away. I mean, sure, there's a lease or whatever, and they can threaten to sue you. But I honestly, I don't, I have never seen anybody sue anybody over getting rent for a place that they just said, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. It I'm de- not saying it can't happen. I was just going to say it's it depends, a, this especially is not advice. <laughs> if it's if it's a large uh, property oh, well, management yeah. thing, you're you're going to be on the hook sure. for it. If you're a commercial property and you're renting a giant warehouse for twenty thousand dollars a month, then it may be very well the case. But no, I'm saying like even just a um, an apartment building with the management. I can only tell you that I have never seen mm-hmm. somebody sue somebody else a organization or whatever over rent if you leave they're usually happy to get rid of you that could be so maybe um, that's your experience (laughs) they were happy to get rid of you if i buy the house right and i've got a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt on the house and i want to get up and uh, leave there's a whole rigmarole that goes into getting up and, and walking away from that including bankruptcy your credit being dashed and a whole bunch of other things as opposed to renting where uh, you know I, I can work something out with you can i pay you 500 bucks and you shut up you know like these things tend to happen and I'm not saying that it's always going to happen, but it is always going to happen that the bank is going to hound you like a dog <laughs> about your mortgage. Yes. So um, I'm trying to show the relative value of renting and relatively renting is a significantly less of a commitment than, than owning. Significantly less because you're usually doing um, a year rental and a year is so not that huge of a time period. So I wouldn't necessarily pay um, if I was looking at saving versus um, my mortgage. Say my mortgage is at four percent. Right. Um, I will probably wouldn't. Any money that you put towards the mortgage, you're saving at four percent more or less. Right. And not to say four percent is the worst number in the current marketplace. It's a nice solid number. Right. But it's not liquid. It's it's illiquid unless you can get a home equity line. Um, right, home equity lines are really great for that. But they cost money. A little bit. They yeah. cost a little bit of money, mm-hmm. and they only last for a little bit of time. Right. So, um, you know, you you're, you should look into that. Um, whereas, in theory, if you invest your money well, you could see returns of six or seven percent. Um, you know, but you're taking more of a risk at that point. Right. And I think that's why a lot of, you know, advice is that especially unsecured loan like credit cards um, and, you know, sometimes people don't think of credit cards as loans, but they're loans. That's exactly what it's Um, credit. Right. So um, unsecured loans like credit cards, um, you know, things that are higher than 6% are typically things like that. Yeah, you're you're. You're losing money if you're not paying those things off. Student loans are tough because they're often low interest, but they're high. And I mean, you're, and you're not getting anything for it anymore. You don't, you don't and you can't can, drive around a student loan. And you cannot get rid of them ever. Right, you cannot get rid of it as far as ever. bankruptcy goes and those kind of things. So. They, I've you know heard stories of you know the government, um, the loan for a student loan will go after your social security. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, you know, you can defer it and do whatever, but it does not go away. 
Right. You may not get Social Security because the government may be coming after it for your student loan. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I mean, ultimately, when it comes to those sorts of things, you have to make that decision for yourself. And it's a good idea to take a night off and start looking at your loans and your budgets and these sorts of things and come up with an answer as to where your money should go in any given circumstance. How did you do it? Laura? So, well, I did. I did do that. But I wanted well, to you did that. I wanted to circle back to the tax refund. And when you're looking at saving that tax refund, you know, making that that determination ahead of time, the determination could be, you know, if you have that debt to put it towards your debt. And if you make that commitment um, to do that ahead of time, you're more likely to do it. And then it goes for a purpose. Right. And what I'm trying to determine here is, is when we say savings, do we mm-hmm. mean paying off debt? Or It do always mean- means paying off debt first. And so you paid off all your debt first before you really started doing any kind of investing? Well, you know what? I... I- Almost did. I mean, except for like, except for the IRA, 401k kind of of savings. Yes, I did. So um, a lot of people are, I mean, their, their 401k is what their um, you know, retirement's going to be. They're, they're counting on Social Security and their 401k. And right. that's what it's going to be. Right. It's a good idea to put some more away. Um, well, I wanted to talk, I've, I've talked about this trick probably two times on the air now, but since we're mentioning it, um, I think it's worth bringing up is that we listen to a financial podcast because we tend to listen to podcasts while on the road and you complain about mine that are about uh, things that you find boring. So I tend to listen to your uh, financial ones. Um, but there was one thing that, uh, they, they compared two imaginary people with, um, two very ordinary situations. One person um, had a car payment every single month for 45 years. Right. And that means likely they got a new car every five, six, seven years. Or every two. That happens too, lease, yeah. right? They, you know, they had the, the car payment, right? Right. And Continual park car payment. Car payment. And a car payment's usually three or $400. Oh gosh, they can be up to six, seven hundred. Well, some people make very bad decisions yeah. <laughs> uh, on cars, but but you have a modest car, and your loan is like three hundred seventy-five dollars. So four hundred bucks for a twenty thousand dollars car, right? Over five years, yeah, okay. five. Yeah, I think five. Yeah, um, we. I don't think we put anything down on it though, did we? I don't remember. I'll keep that mic right there. Put it at your face. Okay. Um, and then you they compared it to this other guy, and the other guy bought a new car every 15 years. Yeah, I believe that was it. Now, I think that that's a very doable thing in 2019. Like if you had started in 2004. 2000 or 2004, right. Right, 2004 to 2019, that that's very doable. But if you're going back 45 years, Mm -hmm. I'm 48. I was born in 71, so we're talking about 1974. There's a lot of crappy cars in in America made between 1975 and 1990. or something, Um, yeah. So, you know, it's – I don't think that's – the system's always going to work, Mm -hmm. but – my mechanic has said, and I, I know a lot of people are going to hate to hear this. My mechanic said, it doesn't make any sense to buy anything but a Toyota or a Honda if you're going to buy new. 
um, that those are just the best cars out there. And I'm sure that Nissan is it's probably fits into that as well. And I think that Ford and Chevy are trying to compete, and they're probably and they're certainly making much better cars than they were um, thirty 20 years, years ago, ago. Yeah, right. Um, but. You know, you, you decide how you feel about that particular statement. Nonetheless, the two scenarios, one guy has the same car payment every single year for um, 45 years. The other guy has a car payment for five years. Then not one for 10 years. Then not one for 10. Then one for five. Then not one for 10. Right. And then does that for 45 years. So, right. you know, three, three, three cycles. Three new cars, right. Three, three cars over the course of 45 years. And the difference was... They said at seven percent interest, and yeah, I don't so think you can you, always get that. But so if you're taking that car payment uh, for those ten years when you don't have one, and you're saving it, and that's important, yes, right? Like obviously, if you just take it and blow it, um, you you're know, not ahead of the game. Wouldn't wouldn't work. But if you put it away um, at seven percent, that you're going to have seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars at the end of this. Um, and that's a big savings. That's retirement for most people. Most people can retire on $750,000. If you just simply drive the same car for a period of time, that's a big trick. Now, um, I would like to say one thing about what savings is and what savings isn't. Okay. Savings isn't saving for a medical bill. Savings isn't saving for your kid's loan, uh, college loan. Yeah. Savings isn't saving for a new TV, a sailboat, a bass boat, um, you know, the a, a motorcycle or any of those things. Savings is saving for retirement. Okay, that's Nearly what you. That's every, that's your criteria for savings at this. What what we're talking about? Well, I think that it's important. Um, and here's and I'm going to back this statement up. Okay, that I'm um, you know making it the. Nearly everybody who's listening to me, something like 95% are going to make it to retirement age. Mm-hmm. Okay. And those of you who do, you know, there's a few of you who won't, but those of you who do, you, um, that money is going, you're going to need that money. You're going to be in a condition where you cannot work and it's going to have largely to do with old age. Yes, there'll be some diagnosed diseases involved, but those diseases happen to old people, not to young people. So, um, you need to have retirement savings. Then you can start thinking about once you have that savings, whatever that amount is, and I the see. amount differs for different people. You don't want to retire and live lavishly. You want to retire and live the same life you've lived up to that point. So if you're living a modest um, life, then you need a relatively modest savings. If you're living a lavish life, then you need a lavish savings. And it depends on what you're making. People who are living lavish lives can put away more money. People who are, um, or they're just borrowing. Right, I was, I, I was just going to say, people, people who are more high income and have a higher um, cost of living can save more if they. But they still have to. They still have to commit. If they commit, if they commit to it, sure, exactly. You can be making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in your household income and not have crap in savings. And it spending one hundred and sixty. Yeah, Americans doing it all the time. So the I consider savings to be re- savings for retirement. Okay. You don't need – you can live without the bass boat. You can go on your friend's bass boat. If you can live without the um, – you know, all the toys, then we're talking about um, hospital bills and kids, um, uh, college. All right? Hospital bills. Just pay what you can and negotiate the price down. 
because that's all you can do. That's what we did when we had that one bill that we didn't uh, we refused to pay. We, we negotiated it out, and they they took it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, secondly, kids' school. In all likelihood, your kid's going to get a degree that they can't use. But if they do are going to get it, let's you got a little engineer on your hands, and they're gonna they need to go to school. The best thing that I've heard about it, you know, for that is really get the buy-in of the kid. If you want to do this, if you want to go to college because you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, you know, something that you need is to get that kid's buy-in and say, you are first of all going to have to get the grades to do it. And you're going to have to save. You're going to have to figure out a way. You're going to have. Most colleges will have some task that they can do to work off things a little bit. They um, One of the best um, advice that, that I've, I've heard is get a job at a college and then you get your tuition for free or significantly reduced. Well, yeah, I mean, young people can um, will often get a reduction in their, um, their, their tuition by working at the college. Right. And they need things. They, you know, how many people have worked through the mailroom? So once you have that buy-in of that kid, then you, rather than saying, you're going to go to college and I'm going to go deeply into debt to send you there, that's a bad system. system. <laughs> it just doesn't work very well. Um, I mean, I get that you want the best thing for your kid. Believe me, I want the best thing for my kid too. But the best thing for your kid isn't a whole bunch of college debt and a degree in communications. I use the communications degree because that's the one that um, is is for basically my line of work. And I can't tell you how many young people have come to me. I've got a communications degree. Well, so effing what? You know, (laughs) let's talk about your debt. Um, You know, because there's... A communications degree is basically worthless in my line of work. If you, you'll you'll get far more of an education by doing a podcast for a year than you will um, getting a communications degree, at least from my line of work. I mean, there's maybe there's some place out there that a communications degree is necessary. If you want to go work as a producer for Fox News or something, well, yeah, then maybe you need a communications degree. I don't know. I haven't ever done it. I suspect you could walk in um, the door and probably uh, just say, hey, I'm really excited to, to work here and work your way up. But do an internship. Uh, and, do some kind of internship yeah. or, or something like that. That's what I believe you can do. I believe that there is a no cost or low cost in to just about every job in America that isn't a doctor, a lawyer. I think you could even do architect, honestly. No, you have to have school. You could work at an architectural firm. But there's some really great um, engineering programs that will do work-study programs. Yeah. So you can you can go to school and work. So it's like one semester you work, one semester you go to school, you know, and you flip-flop and flip-flop back and forth so that you can work your way through school mostly. Yeah. It's um, all in all, I, I think that uh, you need to think about finances. And, uh, of course, Laura's out here worrying about you. So... <laughs> You better you you better be good for goodness sake because she's checking her list and she's checking it twice. No, I think it's it's great that you're um, concerned with other people and their finances and that you know this is the thing that I've I probably don't say it enough on air, but I've tried to mold my philosophy of freedom around freedom for the individual because although my good friend Ian Freeman. Um, 
wants freedom for the world. He's free himself. He's basically made it so that his life, he lives free. He doesn't have, he doesn't worry about things. He doesn't have to. His, his mind is free from worry, but he's deeply concerned with other people's freedom. Well, a lot of people don't want freedom. They want tyranny and they should be free to have all the tyranny they want. And if your tyranny is the tyranny of debt, by all means, get out there and have some, but I need you, but you need to understand what you're opting into. And I only want you to have freedom for your life. I don't think that there's really much that, that you can, your effort is far better spent, far more valuable. There's, um, it's far more effective for your own life than it is attempting to free other people's lives. You can spend your whole life attempting to your whole life attempting to free other people in some manner or another, trying to squash one social ill. You pick the social ill, whatever it is, you can spend your whole life trying to squash it and you will make the most minute ripple across the plane of human existence. Whereas for your life, your efforts are one for one ratio. Bad things are going to happen. You're going to get sick. Somebody's there's going to be an accident. Something's going to happen. No doubt. But if you want freedom for your life, you are the only one who can really provide it. If you're looking to it for a politician to provide it for you, you're a fool. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's very unlikely that you're that particular type of fool. So, um, you know, understand you're the only one who can make the, the choice today is likely among your best earning days. So get out there, make some money, put it away and uh, go from there. So we Teach have your kids to say, I was, too. I was just going there. Um, we have dubbed Jack savings, his freedom funds. Yes. Well, I, it's, it's also the, the FU fund, right? It's the F, it, it sounds nicer. It's, it's more kid, fund is better. kid friendly to say freedom fund. Yes. But, um, you know, that's, that's, I love the term for me, you know, for the, the grumpy codger that I am, I need that ability to tell people to F off, right? And um, to have a certain amount of money is the way, only way you can do it. Right. You, there's, Gives I, you, I was, so being financially free gives you options and the more options you have the freer you are right and there's everybody you know the 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 good democrats of the world are always worried that people don't have options they're always worried that about the bad working conditions and those sorts of things you can work your way out of those whatever those bad conditions are whether you're a server right now i was a server in as recently as 1998 i was waiting tables and well, honestly, you can do pretty well if you uh, are good at putting your money away, but servers tend to party because, you know, that's the lifestyle. But nonetheless, um, save a little money. And thanks for listening. It's been Mark with you. And Laura. Gold has definitely been on the move recently, and there is no more secure investment historically. McIlvaney ICA has been helping people take delivery of precious metals and find storage options for decades. They've helped thousands of investors with their precious metal IRAs. Call ICA today for your free portfolio review at 800-525-9556 or download their free report online at icagoldsilver.com to learn how you can double your gold and silver ounces even within an IRA. 800-525-9556, icagoldsilver.com. Um...
Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com